everyone, and welcome back to We Bought a Mic for part two of our best movies of 2022. This films, mm-hmm. our top favorite cinematic films. Do you think that we'll ever make a podcast under four hours ever again? It is Listomania, so we are in the darkness. We cannot see the forest. Yeah. <laughs> Do you remember, Ernie? You used to. What, you used to be like, guys. We gotta. We gotta move on. We gotta wrap we gotta, it. Up. We gotta. We gotta go through here. And now I think I like that we've just gone the other direction. It's like. Yeah. What's, it's Danny. Listen. Danny corrupted us. Yeah, Danny did. I Danny's just, like, like, there's no turning back say as, as we're sipping our like week. our sparkling rosés <laughs> in a can. <laughs> that can't be it. I don't think that's it. <laughs> Welcome to the show. My name's Ernest. Uh, my name is Huntar. Ooh. Oh. Say freaking what? A chicka what? And I am uh, scanning for uh, um. Uh, um, <laughs> oh my god, Drew, are you a techno sapien? R- Rekka Drooney? No. Amazing. Oh, okay, there you go. All right, saved it. <laughs> the Drew of Water. <laughs> so, part one, we did our 10 through 6. Should we run through our 10 through 6 so far? The Batman, Banshees of Inisherin, Babylon, Tar, and Avatar the Way of Water. Hunters 10 through 6, Glass Onion, Marcella Shell with Shoes on. The Fablemans, Tar, and After Yang, and Drew's ten through six, Barbarian, incredible, Dirty Titty, and Jackass Forever, The Banshees of Inisherin, The Batman, and Top Gun Maverick. So that was part one. Now we're in part two, mm-hmm. five through one. Okay, shall we get into it? May I? <sighs> Number five. Dare you? Are are is it Fableman's time? Uh, it is also my number five. Hey. Cool. Let's talk about it. You had it at number eight. Yep. I just watched it. I love it. I think this is a very special movie. I think it is one of my five favorite Spielberg movies I've ever seen. Oh, my God. Wow. It Um, got in the top five. Holy shit. (laughs) That's no joke. It's I mean, have you seen you've seen like all the big classics, right? Have you seen Jurassic Park? Yes. Have you seen? E.T., Close Encounters, Jaws. My number one is always going to be Jaws. Um, yeah. That's that's one of my like five favorite movies ever. Yeah. That's, um, I've, I've seen my fair share. I mean, Ready Player One, of course. Of course. Um, the Post. <laughs> yeah. So Ready Player One's number one. Yeah. Ready Player Two, saving that spot for yeah, number gotta, two. Yeah, gotta keep that saved. Um, the Fablemans is, uh, it's different subject matter than he deals with while still being the exact same subject matter that he deals with all the time, which is like aging and weird family relationships (laughs) and anxiety. Um, But it, it deals in specificity better because it is based on his life. It's actually at the end of the day, while it has all of its sappiness and all of its like Spielberg isms, it is more revealing than I thought it might be. Very. I think I think it recontextualizes a lot of his work mm-hmm. in, in a way that makes it feel a lot more melancholy, a lot sadder. Like his well, there's sto- literally a part where the bully comes up to him and says, you'll never make E.T. extraterrestrial. <laughs> it ha- yeah. Well, that's the thing. It, it it's easy to roll your eyes at a lot of lines that are super on the button. Um, and that's fine. He it, he's 
Steven Spielberg, he is the <laughs> he, button. If anybody he invented the button, <laughs> that's the thing is that if anybody is allowed to make one of these like legacy story of my life movies this year, and yeah. baby, we got a lot of them. If anybody is entitled to do that, it's fucking Steven it, Spielberg. I, yeah, like, I want to know. Yeah. I want to know. <laughs> I want to hear the Spielberg version of Spielberg. Like that's cool as fuck. And and to it's, do it in it, a way that's so like that that has like this sadness through it this like yeah, yeah like profound tragedy it that it, like you could not pry the that the story of like my dad being cucked by his own best friend if that happened to my family you could not get that out of me like you could waterboard me and Insane. i would not tell you well, that. that's i mean that is crazy that's why there's so much about this movie that like he had to wait until his parents passed to right. actually tell the story because like you can tell why because it's not overtly negative to either one parents. I think it actually does a pretty good job of balancing of saying like, I am a product of both my mom and my dad. I would not be who I am if I didn't have both of them in my lives. But also uh, it gets very personal into his family and shows all the warts of it. While meanwhile, being really fucking entertaining. Yeah. Entertaining. Like, it's a really funny At one point in the movie, it just becomes like a high school drama or like a high school comedy, like yeah. a fucking John Hughes movie for like half an hour. And I'm like, cool, this rocks. Yeah. Spielberg, let's do it. Come on, baby. This, Let me see Sammy Fableman getting bullied this, at school. This fucking kid, Gabriel Abel. Wow. So good. Dude, I so love good. him. He's so, he's so I don't know why he's not I don't know how many roles he's going to get. Well, oh, I don't dude, know. He, he better be a star. But he's just this, he's this tiny little guy. But I think, <laughs> you know, I feel like this was a really great year for best actor because I think that if this was a year like 2015, I'm thinking about 2015 where, um, what's the kid from a uh, room? Who snuck in? Um, Tremblay. Yeah, Tremblay. Um, and there's been a couple times where there have been like child breakthrough performances that have broken through. If this was a weaker year, then I think we could hear the Gabriel Labelle best yeah. actor because he's so good. Well, and man, especially his haircut that he has at the end of this yeah. movie, he just becomes they Spielberg. Give him the Spielberg just, wig. Yeah, I clapped when Spielberg. I saw the Spielberg wig. It's, it's so good. It's perfect casting. Um yeah, no, he's he's incredible. He he's dynamic across the years because he he has a high pitched voice naturally, so it makes sense. I don't know. You know what I mean? Uh as he ages. Um if anything uh, something that else that might get in the way of him winning awards is that like the entire movie is chock full of performances. Like the performances Michelle are Williams. just across the board. Like I, I mean, I at least was a huge fan of, of I loved what Michelle Williams was doing. It's a big, it's a big performance yeah, and very uh, big, we, you know, th this was a, a big point of, of contention when we, um when we first saw it as to like, is it too big? Right. And I think that, you know, you kind of, budge against it a little bit but there's two things working in in the favor of, of what she's doing one you can clearly tell that she has some kind of like manic depressive some kind of like mental disorder yeah, there are people who were like that yeah. especially back in the day like there there are people who are way too much yeah <laughs> Just, have, you, have you met I someone mean, this, with bpd before exactly i mean this was what this is like the 50s 60s like this is an undiagnosed like disorder and um you know, nowadays we have all kinds of like terms and treatments for it. Yeah. Back then they just didn't. And also, I, I don't know. I think it's like it's disrespectful to her to be to be criticizing what she's doing here when the man behind the camera 
is the kid whose mom well, that's, it right. is. That's the other thing I was going to say. Is, is, do you think that she's too big a star for Steven Spielberg <laughs> to tell to like tone it down? No. Well, also, also that's insane. He, he wants to give his mom a, the movie star role. Like mm-hmm. he, he, he loves his mom. And, yeah. and part of the, the process of making this movie is like, I want to cope through my trauma like he has talked about how this is his form of therapy by acknowledging his mother's humanity Mm. right and and he's talked about how like for years he blamed her he blamed her for the dissolution of the family and the marriage and he didn't understand like how she might have felt as a person and not just as a mother that's that i think is what elevated this movie beyond what i thought it would be i thought it would be like a fringe on my list type of movie where it's like oh that was nice that was sweet and sappy and interesting the the family dynamics are like complicated yeah they're they're very complex in this movie um every character feels differently about everyone else at different points in the movie like they're uh particularly like little sammy fableman of course like he he has polar opposite opinions of his own parents like you know within months of each other that's not something you typically see in a movie um, but that is how it works to be a teenager with an unstable home. Like no. it, it, it's, it's really well done. Yeah. I, uh, I mean, I do really love what Michelle Williams is doing in this movie, despite kind of how putting this thing in a negative light, but whenever I say like Oscar Beatty, cause it is so big, it's so over the top, but I'm thinking of like something that is an Oscar bait type moment, but it just shows the beauty and kind of, how sensitive of a portrait Steven Spielberg is trying to make here for his yeah, mom, but where also, he's wherever she's dancing at the oh. campfire with the lights shining into on her. It's like, she's having this moment to actually Magical. express her, this artistic side of her that otherwise she's kind of had to repress down yes. because I mean, this is a different time in which uh, if you're a woman, you're kind of just going to be a mom at a certain point, especially wife, in this kind of family. Wife like, and a mom, and that's it. Like, where Paul Dano is this incredible engineer. He worked for RCA, and then he worked for IBM, and now he's working for, like, he's, he's kind of the, just moving the, up and up. The most swagless man who's ever I, lived. But I will say. He's so lame. Even he has after, a pocket protector. After watching this a second so time uncool. this past week, uh, Paul Dano is like the low-key MVP of this movie. Everything oh, yeah. that he's doing in this is so perfectly calculated. It balances the it's, seesaw. Yeah. Like he yeah. is just, and there's so much of what Spielberg is trying to say in here about like what his dad meant to him and how that influences life. The science thinking, brain. Yeah. It's the engineer brain of that. How did you make it so that the, it looked like the guns were actually shooting. I took little pinpricks and I so poked good. holes in the film. So good. That's like such a genius thing that no fucking like 13 year old kid would think about. And like it's, that's, um, it, that's a common element across like several, like highly successful people's stories is they had a dad who, even if they weren't very involved, they liked telling their kid how things worked. Mm-hmm. Jerry Seinfeld's dad, every night before Jerry went to bed, he would he would tell Jerry how one thing worked in that exact same way. Yeah, like it, yeah, that that's it, it's a type of curiosity that like sort well, it's, of it's the combo, it's the creative and the technical. Yeah, it gets, it just gets you thinking about like in practicality, you know, in a different way. Um, and then yeah, combined with like the the wannabe artist mom. It's perfect. There's also a lot to this movie because I there's you can kind of feel it 
in the movie itself. Uh, and I think it's like Spielberg kind of wrestling with not only his own memories, but how he reacted to it, the feeling. to the divorce, uh, in which his dad kind of took the blame. He, his dad was just like, I don't want you to be seen as the bad guy. Like I'm fine. Like the kids will come live. They'll live yeah. with you. I'm fine to just be like, I have to stay here for yeah. my work. And, kids, I'm sorry. And, I, I simply don't have any risk. If you, if, <laughs> well, he also, he also didn't at, want a swagged out, like, just drip daddy just taking yeah, over he, well, the he whole wants, joint. Yeah, you want Seth Rogen's Benny coming up in there and just <laughs> popping little jokes. No, but like if you look at early Spielberg, it's big child of divorce, and a lot of it is like very angry towards the me- towards encounters. the dad's characters. The dads are just like they are willing to fucking leave you. They're willing to drop you if that means going for work. Close Encounters is the easiest example. He goes where with the aliens. He goes with the aliens. He just <laughs> abandons his family. That's how Close Encounters, one of Spielberg's masterpieces, ends. And I think that this is almost kind of looking back at that, and it's giving. Uh, Paul Dano is giving his dad like this opportunity to express like I'm willing to be the fall guy because I love your mom. I love this family and I would rather just like not it's it's not full like savior complex because he's not uh, portraying it in a way that's like he's out of fixer. selfish intense. But yeah, it's it's he's exactly tinker, yeah. exactly exactly. It's that whole like fixer engineer brain coming in mind of like this is cleaner for everybody if I just do this. Yeah. Speaking of um. Someone that uh, a, a scene or two that get sort of drowned out in the mix because a uh, if we're talking like little side characters, everyone's going to want to talk about David Lynch, obviously. Um, oh, coming, mm-hmm. coming at the end is John Ford. Yes, um, so good. I I want to talk about Judd Hirsch. Oh, he's it'll um, tear you apart. He's going to get an Oscar nom because um. yeah, because it's uh, that you know his scenes have been discounted as like too heavily just stating themes which is valid that's that's one of the few things that's not based on a real thing like there was there was an uncle uh, uh, a crazy like kind of kooky jewish uncle that's a real thing but that conversation yeah that didn't happen and it's also it is it is even for this movie it is heavy-handedly very like very clearly stating things that could be left unsaid however those are not reasons to discount the fact that Judd Hirsch is coming in on fucking fire. Yeah, yeah. So like he is, he's fucking cooking. Especially because it's at a point in the movie where it does hit a little bit of a lull. It yeah. does kind of reach just a little bit of a like, oh, now the grandma's dead. And oh, it's like, yeah, it's like boohoo. Like, I don't really care about her. Here. Yeah. And, then yeah. it's just, it's, and then Judd Hirsch just comes in here. He's like, ah, yeah, I used to stick my head in lion's mouth. So <laughs> and you're like, oh, okay. And, this guy's And energy. also in, in all of those like maybe contrite lines about, you know, art, there are some really, really fun, like interesting takes that he's got. Like, like, you know, when he's like, no, 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 no. Me, me putting my mouth in or my, my head in the lion's mouth. That was balls. Me keeping the lion from closing its mouth. That was art. Yeah. <laughs> like, like there, those are really cool yeah. lines. Like I, you know, I don't know. There's a lot that you could discount if you want to be, ju- you know, judgmental about uh, the, the sappiness and the, the rottenness of the well, movie. Well, it all, it all ties together because there are, there are certain moments of just pure magic in this movie, like the end of this movie, the whole moment with the bullies in the hallway, that moment isn't magical on its own. It's magical because of the entire movie that led up to it. Cause you're, you've been set up to expect that kind of home run hit it out of the park like that. It, it's because of moments like the Judd Hirsch scene where he's talking about like his experience with 
kind of giving himself over to the art form. That is a setup to the payoff of Sammy Failman talking about like how he doesn't know why he made this bully look like a movie star. It just happened. Yeah. He, he just does this. He just points the camera and he has a talent that he can't articulate and he can't explain exactly why it is. It just is. Yeah. He's like, and, I don't know. And this, this movie is full of connections like that. Like the very beginning of the movie where little baby Sammy is making the, the trains crash into each other and it's and and the mom gives him the camera and it's their little secret yeah and she and then that connects to the big secret yeah, that kind of the movie mm, all hinges on and that's well and that's you know that's the earliest like theme stating line is is michelle williams saying oh he he needs to make them crash because then he can control it because he's know? afraid yeah, yeah. exactly um, imagine like going, it, can you guys think of a movie you went to as a kid and it just scared the shit out of you? I, I will say no, not specifically that, but the fact that Steven Spielberg became Steven Spielberg because of Cecil B. DeMille's The Greatest Show on Earth, a movie that and it's tra- and it traumatized it's a bad him. movie. Um, <laughs> it's like a movie that's just an ad for the circus. It's like not a real movie at all. Bad. And, then, and I'm like, oh well, I made Spielberg out of it, so I guess that's the best thing to ever well, come from this. And then movie. and then also in, included like subtly in the movie are like you know sort of like the outlier style story of like, well, how many kids in the 50s like gen- could have genuinely had access to a super eight camera like not a ton yeah um and that you know and how many h- how many could be encouraged by one parent and then facilitated by the other oh, if you're yep. if you're uncle you got a you got a cool uncle buy it for you sick uncle. uh yeah my uncle who's fucking my mom um <laughs> hey they were they were mentally fucking. They I, were spiritually yeah, fucking. Yeah, they were. It was emotional cheating. Which emotional is cheating of, is still cheating. It's <laughs> kind of worse. This is something I was talking to my parents about because, like, I showed them this movie. And, like, that was one thing that they were talking about is, like, the whole idea of, like, an emotional affair versus a physical affair. Like, that's something that I wasn't thinking about because they were like, yeah, it's like once you're married to someone for that long, it's, like, worse Oh, to yeah. love to be in love with someone else than just to fuck them. That's, oh, definitely. Yeah, no, that's so much and, worse. And, and, and she tries to, you know, when <laughs> I mean, one of my favorite good. scenes is when they're moving and uh, Paul Dan was like, huh, you know, I just remembered I had the funniest dream last night. I, I, I punched Benny right in the face. <laughs> yeah, <so good. laughs> and she gets out of the car, you know, and she's like having her like hysterical <laughs> thing. And then like, and Sammy gets out and she's like, I swear, son, I never gave him sloppy. <laughs> <laughs> and it's like, cool. Like, <laughs> that's not going to make him feel better. <laughs> Sammy's just like burdened with this like horrible situation. He's like, God damn it. Yeah, what she's did like, I get I, myself? She's like, I swear, son, it was over the pants. All of it. <laughs> <laughs> it I don't the know. Raw stayed halfway on. <laughs> it just the, the nuance genuinely like the nuance of like the affair and how Sammy feels about it really made the movie for me. Like, yeah. it, it's the whole it's the crux of the entire story. I don't know. And the, the fact that people are reacting so allergically to the uh, to the sappiness of it. That just makes me think that if like Spielberg would, were to have his career today, like it, he would not be as well received because like that's what he's been this whole time, man. Yeah, I mean, like that's he does sappy. Well, it, it, he awards, does that. Awards voters probably expected something 
like more straightforward. Like I feel like this movie would have done better if it was just kind of if it was if it was the platter. fucking Empire of Light version yeah. of this. If it was just like God, our fucking movies. Great. I know, but like this just, movie, I think that this is special because it's the, a little more it, complicated. Well, it feels like a Spielberg movie. It doesn't feel like a guy who's like. Ugh. Let me tell you about my life. My life was a little bit different being a projectionist <laughs> at the theater. Okay, uh, like this is actually it still feels One like time a I movie. Saw a shark and it was scary. <laughs> like this movie could still it, it could still exist on its own without knowing all of the other stuff. Ex- yeah, it just I don't know. It, I think it, award. Well, I think that. I mean, you mentioned that awards people aren't vibing with this. I think awards people are going to vibe with this. I, I think that this actually low key. It's could not win. getting. It's not doing what it needs to do to win. I think that there's. It's I don't know. Falling it's, behind, but it's a start, lot. it's picking up momentum again. I think the Golden Globes wins. Yeah, Spielberg's speech was amazing. I think that that's. It's now becoming a two horse race between this and a movie that we're we're, we're, we're all going to talk about. We're days out from the Oscar noms. So I would we'll just. Yeah. I would be more than happy if this movie won like anything like right. it's yeah. it, it's a truly it's a special great movie um it has nuance and it has like the the general spielberg feel it's it's unbelievably shot for how small so much of it is yeah mm. um like it's it's a lot of vignettes you know you got the monkey yeah. you got the the christian girlfriend like you just Dude, have all these little moments. Man, what is her name? She's, she's awesome. So good. It's just yeah. again, that's like you the know, part Jesus, where Jesus he would look a little bit like Yeah, me. where it's just like, I think Jesus is sexy. <laughs> just this girl who just wants to fuck Jesus. Like, that's so good. <laughs> and it's just when this movie just takes a big turn. Where this movie has a lot of fun. It's really funny. It's great. It's really exactly. Light. This is a it's a fucking it's movie movie, man. Like, I don't know. i before before this is you know this is going to sound stupid because i'm extremely judgmental and cynical but before that that took over the discourse like this movie would have just cleaned up like yeah. it, it's so good i i did want to ask you guys something this is a take i saw floating around that has kind of stuck with me and it's it's going back to the the ending with the bullies which is a scene that i think is going to be kind of picked apart forever because there's so much in that like <laughs> You know, unless I make a movie about unless it, like that's so good. It. That's so good. Yeah, guess what? That rocks. That's, fuck uh, you. That's fuck so, everyone. That's I so, clapped in the theater so I good. saw that. I was yeah, like, this fuck, fuck everyone. <laughs> the whole idea of like the overtly anti-Semitic bully being attacked by the not so anti-Semitic bully <laughs> is, and, and there's no way that Spielberg like actually intended this, but there's a read of this being a meta take on like that era of Hollywood of like McCarthy era Hollywood and how a lot of Jewish people in Hollywood created movie stars like big big movie stars like Audrey Hepburn and Paul Newman to stand as a buffer in between them and the Nazis I think that that could I don't like not in so many words, but I think that's very much a part of like what he's trying to say there. Like, yeah. he, like, yeah, no, that the jock kid who gets, you know, hero fied in, in his film is a representative of what a, movie a certain st- type yeah, of, of what movie stars were in the film industry to Jewish filmmakers. I think, yeah, I think that that's definitely like a valid uh, take. I mean, I can see a little bit of that. I more so read that as like when. <laughs> Not to go like full like tortured artist, but like 
also a little bit of that where like Spielberg is like, I don't fucking know, man. I like, I wish, I wish that I didn't point the camera at you. I wish that I could point I'm at anybody of all else. Time. But like, I don't he just, know. the camera just gravitated towards yeah. you. Like, I don't know what to do with it. It's like, if we're making a movie right now and like we were, well, maybe not now cause we're adults and, uh, but if we were like kids in school, I don't think that we would just like divorced. look at like some like jockey dudes and just be like who like we fucking hated and just be like, I'm going to make my movie kind of about this guy. Like it takes a special yeah. guy to kind of put everything else, all of your own personal shit behind you and just be like, I just want to make the best thing that there is, regardless of any personal. Yeah, tiff people that I are have. going to and react if they see this guy that's what, succeed, not I, me. And that's what being a director is and like. Do you think that every director loves movie stars they work with on set? Like, absolutely. They just the know fuck what not. But you just know whenever you see a movie star. I mean, there's less and less of those these days, but like whenever, like back in the day, you would see a movie star and get them on camera. It's like, I just need to gravitate with this person and just follow them. And they're going to lead like everything through here. Just yeah. drawn to each other. Yeah, exactly. Um, this movie. Owns there's so been some bad uh, takes on this movie. Uh, and I think that sometimes people should go outside and touch grass. I, my I did want to mention one last thing. Um, the moment where he like envisions himself filming his Dude, own life. Oh my God. No, the, of the divorce. Yeah. That's that is that a transcendent. Shot, honestly, might be like my f- single favorite shot of the year of just like it's a Spielberg never does that. He never gives us like a incredibly like weird, <laughs> like, like kind of almost, thing. Yeah, yeah. almost yeah. surreal moment like that. And all that's that, doing that's is letting connecting you, back to the Jed Hirsch thing of yes. family versus art. Yeah. Like you love this thing more than you. I'm, love. I'm telling you, this movie could be higher on my list. Yeah. I, I it, have it at eight and it could be higher. It, it's, <laughs> I, it has the magic. Like it, yeah. it, it has it. Mm-hmm. It has that Spielberg Riz. The, I, the, the I, can't, I can't wait till next year when that word like doesn't exist anymore. <laughs> yeah. Uh, people are listening back to this. I can't wait. Like if we are really leading to a two horse race between the Fablemans and everything everywhere for best picture, then this rocks. This is we've won movies I, this year. I, we did a good I'm job. telling you Banshees um, is also in there. Based on the stats. I hope not. Um, (laughs) Yeah, I'd be happy with it. Like this movie is not the shape of water. No, it is better than that. Yeah, 100%. It's so much more complicated. And that's a good movie. But this is like a a great, 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 like like top tier movie. My my top. I was going to say my top four words here, but this is in there. Like this is a really, really good movie. Yeah. The, The fact that like Spielberg is letting us know that like in his youth, a camera was just like a coping mechanism for like the saddest shit you could possibly imagine for, you know, a, a, a white suburban kid. Like he's, I you know yeah. <laughs> the worst existence you could have is your dad getting cooked by Seth Rogen. <laughs> and it's not close. <laughs> the Fablemans is Drew's five, my five and Hunter's eight. Hunter number five. My number five is we sat here and we sang plaudits about like how great this guy fucking Steven Spielberg is. And yeah, sure. Yeah. He's pretty good. But there's one guy who I am here to drive the fucking best director hype train for. And that man is Park Chan Wook. And the film is decision to leave. Okay. Pop off. That's right. Number five. Um, This movie is basically like, what if, you were to make a 1940s Humphrey Bogart, like a hard-boiled, noir, 
like crime mystery in 2022 yes a lot of hitchcock in here it's just absolutely a masterpiece like coming away from it i watched this a second time this past week and this was kind of it's been floating in my top 10 since i watched it. i really loved it but especially after seeing this a second time everything that park is doing in this movie and the way that he is moving the camera and having the actors move with the camera. It's almost Spike Lee-ish with some of the stuff that he's doing here where there will be sequences where um, this detective will be watching this woman and looking at her through binoculars and suddenly he's in the same room with her. It's so incredibly well shot. Um, Basic premise of this is that a woman or excuse me, uh, this detective uh park hail is uh, that's the name of the actor the actor the detective's name is jung i want to say i can't remember um but this detective works in seal and is uh investigating the murder of or this death of a man who fell off a mountainside and just kind of looking into it was there any kind of foul play here was it even a murder was it even a murder was a suicide what happened here and they bring in for questioning uh the man's wife playing by tongway in one of the best performances of the year uh who is a chinese woman who moved to korea uh met this man they got married and it kind of sets off from there it becomes a little bit of love story between this detective and this suspect here and very heat esque yes uh it's heat but like what if they like what if uh what if al pacino was talked to sleep by robert de niro Mm -hmm. that was the only way that he could actually sleep was with the the voice of uh robert de niro coming through um i think that the first half of this is kind of what i'm describing here of this kind of like little bit of cat and mouse but the cat and the mouse are becoming closer and closer and then there's a big explosive event that happens at the exact halfway point of this movie and this movie is split expertly into like a part one and a part two in the second half of this movie those dynamics completely flip on each other and i don't want to spoil this movie because i think everybody should watch this um i don't want to promote making a service free trial and then canceling it. But this is available to stream on Mubi Mubi. right now. It's a Mubi film, M-U-B-I. And it's not to be, it's not to be, it's Mubi. It's Mubi. (laughs) (laughs) There actually is some good films on Mubi. I might, I might keep my subscription going at least for a month or two to watch some of these, but I uh, don't do that. Oh, we'll see. You know, uh, might be some good. Maybe if it was a to be, if it was a Tubi, then maybe. Um, maybe Tubi and Mubi can have a merger. To Mubi. To Mubi. <laughs> Matubi. Um, like, I just think that if you are a fan of any kind of, like, crime, noir, if you're a fan of uh, The Batman, check yeah, out. Detective, check out, mystery. Yeah. yeah. This has that kind of classic feel to it. It's not, whenever I say, like, 40s Humphrey Bogart Hitchcockian it might sound like it's very slow to some people and it's 
it's patient more than it's slow. Yeah. There's not a single moment in this movie where it drags. In fact, every time that it starts to feel like it's going to drag, Park is doing stuff with the camera and doing something oh, with the, the storytelling that is just some of the sweeping zooms that he gets are just fucking unbelievable they are so good the, the whole ending sequence by the ocean oh my god blew my mind i was like i was like at a certain point i was like there's no way he got these shots for real like these are too perfect <laughs> like the framing with the sun and the water and the sand like that th- you cannot possibly get this perfect framing well he he also does some stuff like there's some like sequences while uh um like a, a character will be driving in some of the shots that he gets. That's just like, what if uh, <laughs> it's like uh, reminiscent of Michael Bay ambulance drone shots, but like, what if it done good? Um, no shouts to no shots to Michael Bay an uh, ambulance, which is a great film, but well, it's a film I should say, but this just some of the transitions that he gets the editing in this is fucking unbelievable. It's so, so good. I, it's number five on my list for a reason that I am ready. Park Chan Wook for best director, at least a nomination. It might happen. I am so all in on this. There's been a big push with Air National. The thing is, the last cute last few years. I'm you worried know, about that. I'm worried that just not enough people are going to see this movie. This is the guy who made fucking Old Boy, dude. Like this yeah. is the guy he made Old Boy. He made The Handmaiden a few years ago. Um, like he is a a director who is respected. Yeah. Uh. Ernie, you've seen this movie. What, I, what did you think about I'm, this? I'm going to have to give this a rewatch now that you've had it so high. Because I I went to the Enzion to see it. And I was just kind of really confused. Like, I couldn't latch on to it. I was just not on its wavelength. Well, they didn't show subtitles for you. So you couldn't. Right. Really, I was yeah. just in the darkness. It just. <laughs> this is a foreign it just, film. So. It was hard to follow. I. I. I love the look of it. Like it was stunning, like hashtag visually stunning copyright 2022. Um, the, the plot, I really struggled to follow the plot. Um, so now that I kind of know the overall, now that I've seen it and I know kind of the overall beats, I'm going to, I'm going to have to give it another look and, and, um, try to, yeah, just take another look at it because it just, it didn't click. Yeah. You know, sometimes you're just not on the wavelength I, and it doesn't click, you know, I'd encourage rewatching it. I, I loved it just right off the bat, but especially after rewatching it, I was like, no, this is one of the five best movies of the year. Like this is without a doubt, like one of the best movies I've seen in the last several years. This is just absolutely like, I, I almost want to just straight up call it a masterpiece. Like this is a masterwork of everything that he is doing here is just operating 10 out of 10. Like everything from this point forward, it's just like there's several aspects of the film that I can like check off the box of just like, yeah, no, I have no I have no faults with any of these things here. Uh, The storytelling itself, I think what I I mean, it's a mystery. So like the first time you're watching it, you kind of have like you're you're trying to solve the puzzle in your head here. Yeah. But also what you were talking about earlier about how like there's moments when like a character is in a shot, but they're not like actually there. Yeah. And it's, there's just well, a lot of that where I just like, it just became a little bit convoluted. It's well, cause it's shot in such of a way where like the detective will be like, he'll be, uh, uh, on like a, what do you call it? Like a, 
not camp out, like stake out, like yeah. just staking out like uh, um, Tongwei's character and just like looking at her through the binoculars and then he'll call her on the phone to like ask her things. And then as he's like delivering messages on the phone, he just like, like appears behind her and is just like talking to her face in to the face room in the room. Yeah. But he's not actually it's. It's just all shot like there's so many different choices that are made here that are just kind of bringing yeah. these two characters close together and then pulling them apart and then bringing them back together and pulling them apart. And this way it's this like it's almost like a ballet, like it's operatic how everything is handled between these two characters, this two hander here. It's it's so beautiful. It, everything that's trying to say also about like marriage and love and kind of mm-hmm. how the drifting we'll part of that and then coming back together. Um, yeah. Yeah. Cause he has like a, he has a wife, you know, and she's, he does have a wife. She's going to be okay. She's she, be okay. she loves him. He's got and triples he's, of the high end day and he's running after this criminal. Triples like, of the Honda. You have a wife at home. Um, all right. Decision to leave. Is Hunter's number five. My number five was the Fablemans, which we just talked about. So now we're at four. Drew. Top four. Number four. Tar. Tar. Lydia Tar Tar exists. Tar. Oh my God. We get to talk about Tar. Oh my Tar. Could have been higher. Top tier movie. Uh, Masterfully directed. Uh, Some of the best directing I've seen in years. Like I put it up there with almost anyone. So here, here's what I want to say about Tar. At one point, I didn't have this movie on my top 10. And it was hanging around, like I was saying earlier, that that bat, the Batman, like low, like who's vying for that low spot, that number 10 spot. This was one of those movies that was vying for that spot. And then, like I mentioned, I did a little sample platter. You know, I didn't have time to watch a whole movie. So I just kind of perused different little little bits. And I've been thinking about Tar a lot mm-hmm. since I saw it. Because the thing is, is there are movies that, you know, kind of hit you like a freight train and 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 stick in your mind. Sometimes there are movies that you want to return to a lot, you know, the the rewatchability factor. And Tar fits kind of in the middle of that a little bit where like it's not the kind of movie that like fully hits you like a freight train and it's not fully a movie that you want to rewatch over and over, but it lingers, it lingers and you keep thinking about it and without having to rewatch it over and over, it sticks in your mind with the same force that a movie that, you know, kind of hits you hard would. It's not a big movie. It's not a way of water. You know, it's not big Jim slapping you across the face with his big old blue cock. It's my way of water. Uh, yeah. This movie is subtle and it is not like most movies. It's very artsy. It's very thoughtful. It Everything it does, it does it underneath the surface and it does it in the details. And I feel like we have gotten really far away from having movies like this maybe there was a time when we used to get a lot of movies like this that really respected their audience and allowed them to like be like all right i'm gonna i'm gonna watch that and then i'm I'm gonna have a think 
And I'm gonna, I'm gonna, you know, we didn't watch this in the theater. At least I didn't. Did you watch this I in, the saw this in the theater? Okay, yeah, I watched this on a I screener saw it, uh, at a theater showing. It was two o'clock on a Sunday, and there was two other people in the theater. They were both in their seventies. I'm gonna guess. Um, <laughs> yeah, it's it's the whole Mark Maron bit. It's the whole Mark Maron bit of like what happened to movies where you like you walk out, you stumble out of the theater, and you're like confused, and you're like, did he die? What happened? Like we don't have movies like that anymore. Which, by the way, shout out, shout out to Marin because Todd Field was just on Marin hey. uh, oh, this week. Okay, highly, highly recommend. Did they finally the listen? Did they finally squash their beef? They did squash the beef. Yes, from from their '90s stand-up. Dude. Yeah, <laughs> Todd Field turns out he's like a really cool guy. Like I was also before you guys got here, I was watching the director's roundtable on Hollywood Reporter. Hell yeah. And uh guess who fucking dominated the conversation is fucking Alejandro in your Like, don't have that guy on your round table. God, get that guy when the you fuck, get... Can we blast that guy to a different fucking planet? I don't know. Well, I, how do you Jesus think he Christ. he got the funding to make that fucking movie? Is he that man is good in the room? I kinda Jesus. like I don't hate him. I kinda like him, but it's yeah, like he's very he's so affable. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. But it's like you watch Todd Field in that video and it's like, dude, I just want to I just want to hang like I want to vibe yeah. with this. guy. I'm, he looks so cool. You know, this is Todd Field. This movie in general, this is one for the Americans because this is a movie that should by all measures be European. <laughs> yes. Well, it is. It is in Europe. <laughs> it's for, shot in, in Europe. large part. Yeah, it's in Europe. It feels European. Um, it is it is weighty and smart and and all of those uh, key European things. And it, it has a direction style that I would call European where like, I don't know if there's a specific word for it, but like the entire fucking movie from scene to scene is just casual jump cuts. Mm-hmm. Oh, my yeah. God. It's just it, and you, done. you know, you you never have to ask how much time has passed. You're like, oh, yeah, this this time is probably an hour. This time it's probably a day. Like mm-hmm. it, it always makes sense where, we're, you know, you don't really need like time cards to pop up. You know, it's a new scene. It just it's effortlessly cool. Um, and a lot about the way this movie is directed feels effortlessly cool. It feels fitting the movie as well. Um, because a lot of it feels cold and calculated almost in like a Fincher way. Mm -hmm. I I mean, the world that it's depicting is a little bit cold and calculated, you know, this, this classical music world. And we got to talk about Kate Blanchett because that's what I was going to say is that like I did this little sample platter and then from the jump, you're introduced to Lydia Tarr herself. And then I'm like, what the fuck am I doing? Leaving this movie off my list. Like it's, this is this is the one of the great acting achievements of like the last, I don't know, five, ten years. Yeah, I literally had a moment wherever I because I saw this movie and I was just like, this is an art, a piece of fiction. And about like there were multiple points in the movie where I was like, wait, is Lydia Tarr a real person? Is this she like, might is as she, well is be she real? because Kate Blanchett just she like it's more than breathing life into a character she just creates a character like this is just a person lydia tar exists in the world today because of what kate planchette yeah. is doing and like i it, it's she did it's jump on the zoom she cannot go on camera or on mic hey hey lids um big lids uh what's your take on uh on doing the soundtrack for the next uh the 
Monster World Hunter. Warcraft, the World of Warcraft <laughs> sequel. Do you think it's fucked up um, what Olivia Wilde did with Harry Styles? <laughs> yeah. I want, <laughs> I want your takes. Oh, no, you're... Oh, you're cool then. Okay, all right. If oh you say God. so. All yeah, right. all right. If she mm. says so. Oh, okay. Um, yeah, it, I mean, it's it's incredible. A lot of it plays into how how well the movie's written. Um, you can you can be especially toward the beginning. Um, it, it it can feel stilted and it can feel like like overly elevated. I mean, it's artsy to the point of trying to prove a point. Uh, you know, where it's like even even in like the highest of high echelons of like of academia and like, you know, like, like specified fields. People do not talk like that. Like that's crazy talk. Um, that doesn't matter (laughs) because well, well, Todd field is also influenced by Stanley Kubrick. And in those movies, people don't really talk like real people. No, either. Yeah. Because you don't have to, um, you know, what's boring is real people in real conversations. Well, and, and also <laughs> so I, the dumbest argument that I've ever heard is like, oh, it's not realistic conversations. Well, it's just like it's it's like the opposite of like Banshees, for example, which is like a scenario in which those people would talk less uh, stupidly than they do in that movie. <laughs> <laughs> those people talk does, like dumb people in the year 2022. Does Brendan Gleeson like idolize Lydia Tarr? <laughs> yes. <laughs> Banshee's made a hundred years um, later. It, it has so much to say that it makes perfect sense that, that people are uh, interpreting it stupidly. Oh, they're simplifying it. They're trying to say this movie is about cancel culture. It's, I mean, it's, that's, that's one of the things that it that it's about. It's also about like seven other things. And it's also, uh, you know, the I mean, the base take that like it's like anti cancel culture is like an exclusively like dumb. guy. Oh, yeah. Because Lydia That's Tarr is so such dumb. a hero that we shall. No, exactly. For. I, it's it's, the, you know, it's the person who sees a protagonist and is like, well, I must like them. Yeah. I see them. I've, I've seen them for a half hour at this point. Well, they now I love them. Yeah. They wouldn't give me two hours of this person if I was supposed to against them um no lydia tar is a, a fucking shithead she's she's a uh, a power obsessive horny maniac. she's a horny bitch yeah she's so like the one of the expert things that this movie does is it, it introduces us to her in this like the probably the greatest exposition dump ever written <laughs> just oh this, yeah, this well, like it's a, just starting the movie just, off. Just it is uh, yeah because it's a preamble to like a New Yorker like live yeah, you know almost, with an actual like, guy from the New. I know who is by the way a lot of a lot of like actual guys who when you like if you put the camera on them they start acting not actual. That guy's so good. Yeah, like he he slings so. Well, that's hard. part of part of Hunter's point about like thinking that this is a real person. Yeah. Yeah. It's like well that that if that guy's real then Lydia Tar must yeah, be. Yeah, Lydia Tar's yeah. a real person. <laughs> He's slang. It's an insanely long preamble describing her entire life. By the way, the entire time that's going on, we're getting a, a beautiful montage of her getting clothes tailored and her little daily routine. Um, it, it sounds stupid to say, but that is, uh, you don't get montages like that very often because a, it's unrelated from what is being said. Usually montages with narration at the very least, like they're related in some way, but no, it's, it's accomplishing two things at once. We're getting to know her on paper life story. And then we're getting to know what she is like, like yeah. all that tailoring stuff is like, oh, she's very fastidious. She needs everything to be just so, um, and also like. Again, stupidly, like 
those are a lot of really good shots to use up in like two minutes. Yeah. Like, all, like that's mm-hmm. my, my first impression of the movie was like, Holy, like, holy shit. He's cycling through like great shots. It, like in that. just like in a split. Yeah. Second. It's like, what? A, oh it, my God. What a waste. And, but this whole movie is like that. There's so many setups yeah. that are just it, in just a fraction of a sequence. And it's like, you just think about like how much work went into just compiling this movie together and putting this world together. I mean, this took Todd Field 16 years to make this movie. Like this is, he had other projects lined up. It wasn't just 16 years just to go to tar, but like his previous film, this, his last film didn't come out until it last came out in 2006. So he's just had this just sitting in the tank, just trying to like hone, figure out how to get this together. So it really is like, there's so many ideas here because it, it's like he's just had so much time to kind of get all of these ideas together and then figure out the perfect way to meld them together. It's not the sloppy director thing of like, this might be my only shot. I have to throw shit against the wall and just see like throw all my ideas here and see what's going to stick. It's perfectly crafted and it weaves all these themes together with the story with Lydia Tarr at the center of it, who, by the way, I think I saw she's in like, something like 78% of the shots or something yeah, like that, which would it. be like the most ever for a best actress win or like one of the top five ever for just taking up the screen and owning this performance. I regret not watching this a second time. Cause I think if I would have seen this a second time, I think this could be in like my top three. Cause this is a movie that I have not stopped thinking about since seeing it in theaters. Same. It's, yeah. It's, it, it's yeah. It's just no. sat with me and it's, I can't get it out of my it's head. It's fucking amazing. It's, it's just so like what we're getting at with all these angles is it's so labor intensive, but it, but like we said though, it feels natural and it feels real, even though like that montage, for example, that's a lot of labor on the, on the, you know, behind the camera side, uh, the script of that, the preamble and everything Lydia Tarr says, which is so written, that's a lot of fucking labor. Yeah. Um, and then there are a fuckload of long ass shots that not only require like camera movement rehearsal, that requires fucking acting rehearsal. That is just like, that's like Kate Blanchett starring in a play. Dude, yeah. the Juilliard scene is yeah. like one of the scenes. It's of the like year. what? How many minutes is that? And it's one shot. Like it's, it's incredible. Like it's 12 minutes. It's long it's as fuck. It's dynamic. It's the camera is going everywhere throughout that whole room. Kate is, is cooking but, her fucking ass off. But and the, the differences between this and something like, I don't know, like Birdman, if you're going to go for just like if we're going to go pile on to fucking in your E2 a little bit more. A lot of times whenever directors are trying to do like the long oneers, it's very athletic for lack of a better term. It's very much like look at me, showy. Look at me. Ah, it's like the car- it's like the camera is another character in the story. And nothing about anything that Todd Field is doing ever feels No, it, 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 it it's just never makes putting sense. himself back it's, on him. It's always just the, like a the thing. character first. Yeah, it's always like you realize like oh shit, they still haven't cut in this scene. Like it's not yeah. like a ooh, I'm like going between this guy's legs. Yeah, this one. it's just like, the shot is just being framed and reframed in like very normal ways. It reminds me sort of of how Spielberg does it. Yeah. And he does it a lot in Fablemans actually. Yeah. It's just like these shots that are super dynamic, but it's all for a purpose other than looking dynamic. Um that I mean that scene is an important scene for a lot of reasons. Uh, other than it being one shot, it that's when the movie starts turning because you think it's going to be a movie about like a mega successful like butt asshole woman, uh, and then it 
it, like during that scene, that's when you as an audience are like, I, I, it's not, it's no longer like, oh, you know, she's cool, but she's a dick. It's like, I don't like her anymore. <laughs> like she is, she, she thinks she takes things so far. She, she mm-hmm. just, she will not stop ripping this kid apart. Um, for like having like, I mean, very, it's, I mean, he's it's a, a very, young person. Yeah. It's, it's like yeah. one of those takes where it's like, I don't listen to Mozart because like, actually like he had, yeah, like, we he, need to cancel he Beethoven. Had sex, he had sex with like a bunch well, of women. And, like, and it's just like, it's actually not very cool. No, but the, it's a very like Twitter online kind of a take that feels like you're like, nobody would think like this. It's like, buddy, log on to Twitter. No, ton, um, and, like, well, and tons of people would, and that's fine. And the, the conversation that's had is super valid. And the reason the movie rocks is because uh, Lydia isn't far from being right in that discussion. She just is being a fucking bitch yeah, about it. Yeah, you're just being... She's being such a <laughs> dick. Like, yeah, she, she's not She far. has the power in that situation. Exactly. She's the and professor. She, and she's ripping his ass apart when she, really all she could... Like, she could just be like, oh, well, if you feel that way, then, like, you would have a hard time playing anything from anyone. Like, yeah. you, that's all she has to really say, but she has to go on for she 10 minutes pushing. about what a fucking moron this guy must yeah. be because she is personally offended because as we learn across the movie, she <laughs> is wants, doing the same thing yeah, that he's talking it's, about. And yeah. that's why, like, even as, like, a, an extremely successful, uh, you know, lesbian woman composer she is not you know what you would call a feminist or or, you know and and progressive in any way because she wants to have that power yes that those men had she doesn't want to speak truth to power she wants to have it and that's true of a lot of people who like are marginalized but then gain success they just want to have they they don't want to like change things once they get up there they want to pull the ladder up this this movie isn't about cancel culture it's about power yeah it's it's fully about power and it's about how someone that has as much power as you could have in a world like classical music starts to abuse it and you can abuse power in any setting but to choose the the setting of classical music and to give her the accolades that she has you know things like the egot that gets mentioned and all these things and and the status and and the grandeur and the you know I, I I question some of the things like the paparazzi that follow her to her event, which I'm like you know is there going to be pop going are, are after people going to be protesting in the streets for a <laughs> classical composer? Uh, okay, uh, you know, but the, the idea that like this person is at the top, they are at fully fully at the top, mm-hmm. and when you're at the top. You start to you, disconnect and, from humanity. And you probably got there because you're willing to disconnect from humanity. And so it's it's a lot easier for people like that to lose it more because they're already willing. If you get that high, that means that you're willing to shut off your empathy and like not bring others up with you because you mm-hmm. can't. And, you know, as we learn the extent of what she's done, um, which a lot of it is delivered via her um, assistant, played by a portrait. Oh, yeah, portrait of a lady. Played Naomi Merlant. Well, yeah, fam- she's incredible. Famous uh, so portrait, good. so good. portrait painter. Yeah. <laughs> um, her. I mean, yeah, she's great. At any like uh, lesbian longing from afar role. <laughs> Let's just give it to her. Um, she rocks. Uh, I. I. It's a rare case where like 
when a character I really, really like disappears midway through a movie and I don't mind it because it makes sense because that's what would happen. Mm -hmm. They wouldn't meet up ever again. She would fully disappear. She would get a lawyer. The lawyer would say, do not ever speak to Lydia Tarr again. Like, that's the end of it. Yeah. Um, and then there's like a whole nother hour to the movie of her just spiraling. <laughs> yeah. And then, yeah, Lydia Tarr, Lydia Tarr spins out. Um, you get relatively supernatural elements of her seeing this pattern, which I like. I've heard people don't like it. I love that. Um, yeah. th- th- again, to the subtle quality of this movie, like there are there is a haunted quality to this mm-hmm. movie yes. that is never in the foreground. And even I even had to like pause it because there's a moment where she gets up in the middle of the night and there's someone sitting in the yeah. corner of the room. There is a figure and it's just it's a quick moment. It's a quick cut. Yeah, movie. It's, like, it's like a horror movie. It's like it, like that shot is in hereditary. And the, the fact that um, the movie never lingers on moments like that and always keeps them in the background and always like makes you wonder like what's what's going on here why why am i seeing and there's moments that i didn't catch that other people have pointed out there's moments when she's just like in her study in the with the piano and there's like someone in the fucking mm-hmm. way background in the corner there's a person there's a figure yeah and it's because there is actually a she is haunted she is actually this lady is actually haunted by this person this, yeah, this well, woman. we're led to believe that like i mean there are events that come to light here of like things that have happened people who she is a suicide. taken under her wing and yeah like and taken advantage of had sex with them and then in return got them to where they wanted to be and then abandoned them and we're led to believe uh, just this one story that definitely the first time this has happened, there's probably been like tons of bodies that have been in the wake of Lydia Tar on her rise to power that we're seeing here. So yeah. it's just going to have this kind of presence to it where we are aware of her demons more than she even is. And then she slowly starts to be able to she slowly over the course of the film becomes more and more aware of these demons that have been haunting yeah, her this it's, whole time. It's Oh God, it's so awesome. This it's movie so is good. so fucking awesome. I, there's I, there's so many layers. There's yes. also just like some there's some great comedy in this movie. Like oh, it's yeah. a funny when Lydia Tar threatens a child, <laughs> shit just rules. Yeah. Like this but she so she storms Mark Strong Dude, on the podium. I, no, so that he owns, okay. So by the way, uh, his hair, <laughs> minor minor spoilers for Tar here. I won't have context. Spoilers for, it, for, for Tar. Hunter I, just said spoilers for I Tar. I don't know. Can this movie even be t- spoiled? I don't know. But Tar like, will return I in the Kang Dynasty. <laughs> 2025. I heard that Lydia Tarr is going to disrupt the comedy of Ant-Man Quantumania. Um, No, I think that like uh, I was in the theater kept expecting the whiplash moment. I don't know about you guys, but while watching this movie, I was like, "Ah, you know, it's all leading up to one big concert. I've seen this before. And then how it kind of just completely like punches that it literally tackles that idea yeah. of the big concert it's just so, so good. beautiful oh. it's so well done um it, it's incredible i, w- I want to go back to to what you guys were saying about her being haunted um yeah because it's that i don't know that that's my favorite part of the movie it's it's the idea that she because she 
has just become the enemy of herself even though like you know we're not led to believe that anything happened in her past to get her where she is um she is haunted by she is in total denial of the fact that there are barriers in the place of women right reaching success she can do whatever she wants because she's unstoppable Well, because she has become a barrier in the place of women trying to reach success she's become a weinstein um so throughout the movie she is fully haunted by she she, like the pattern is is a representation of that that she keeps seeing but also like she has like full dilute the the screaming that she hears in the park when she's on a jog yeah that is the sound of a woman like being raped yeah uh it's terrifying it would have seen yeah it it would seem she hears it she goes after it she cannot locate it it's great sound design because this the location of the sound changes like depending on where she's facing um and then her her neighbor's mom mm-hmm. the, mm, yeah, what, yeah, what's yeah. going oh, on there it's it like literally, a leprosy <laughs> uh, her mom it's just her mom is completely you know it it's it's a the neighbor herself who like you know is always knocking on her door is a sad story on her own like that that's a woman who is just been sort of like thrown away by her own family as just like a caretaker for this mom mm-hmm. Um, and the mom is just like on the way fucking out. And, and it's, I don't know. It's such like a blatant representation where like Lydia literally has to go over and lift a woman up off of the ground, a dying, which is, yeah, which is a nightmare to Lydia. She's like, this is the worst thing that could ever happen to me. I need to go and like remove all my clothes and yeah, (laughs) bleach my skin. Like it's, it's. It's symbolism that is like just to me, it's the perfect amount of obvious that like you pick up on it, whether or not, you know, you are. And it's really easy to like think about it and realize that you are. It, it's yeah. it's it's masterful. Like it's like you said, I think I think just like every shot in this movie has intent behind yeah. it. It it's been thought about. It hasn't been overthought. It's just the right amount of thought. Yeah, this is the one movie on my list that. We did before we came on this pod, we were just kind of like looking at our lists from years past and we're like kind of reevaluating. Like, what the fuck was that doing so low? I had that in the 20s. I had that like way too low. Yeah. And this, I feel like, has the best shot of like any movie that we've talked about so far that could be like, was Tar just like the yeah. best movie of 2022? Yeah. I, I had it number it's, two like yesterday. I like, I, it, it could easily like next year. I just didn't one. have time to rewatch it. Otherwise I feel like it could have been even the, higher. This is going to be one of the, one of the movies where like 10 years from now, we're going to look back and be like, Oh, Tar like only won like one Oscar. Yeah. It won for Kate Blanchett and for nothing. Yeah. Else. Tar it's, it's yeah. It's like, it's hyper modern, but like timeless weirdly. It, it just it fucking rocks in every single way um a couple little minor shout outs for it too one of my favorite tricks that always works on me in movies is the sound design thing where like during a tense scene you have like a little low rumble of, yeah. of bass it's not it it's not like tuned to a note it's it's like not really diegetic but like and you don't even pick up on it's it just unless, atmospheric unless you think of it that I would say there's probably like 35 minutes of that in tar. (laughs) He keeps doing it and it keeps working. It it, it works so fucking well because like this, it's a movie about sound. So I think it it works better. Um, Also, the dream sequences are great. Like it reminds me very well. Reminds me kind of of Sopranos dreams where it's like it's montage. um, And it's it, it feels nonsensical 
for a half second and then you think about it and you're like oh man she's well the, the way they kind of warp there's like a mirror warp effect to yeah. it the, the yeah the bed on fire like it yeah mm. it's, it's just it's 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 easy to decode but it but it makes you feel smart that's kind of my favorite kind of thing yeah also love the ending mm-hmm. monster ending, hunter, monster I, hunter. <laughs> dude the very with headphones on on a click track <laughs> she's not the clock anymore well honestly that whole like this is a movie that i did have this thing whenever i was watching it the first time where it ends multiple times and so it was kind of a thing of like a here we go. Is that the ending? Still going. Okay, no, that's no, so that oh, so that's not the ending either. But then it does pick the perfect spot where the final shot is like, oh fuck yeah. You it, found it. And I'm you, and you I'm really it. you I'm, did it. I'm really glad that we went to that country, not only because of the final final scene, but because of the massage thing. Dude, Ooh, yeah. That is like and seeing reaction to Yeah, her like, her thing, really reckoning you were basically with basically doing it, but now it's just like here on display yeah. in a commodity for you. Like it's arranged in in an orchestra like an orchestra and in yeah, front I, of her. Yep. And I, I don't oh, I don't man. remember if this is if my girlfriend said this or if she she found it somewhere on like letterbox, but the idea that like what if I doubt that that would be what they would present to just any woman who wants a massage. What if it's because they know her? <laughs> What if it's because they, <laughs> they know they it, know yeah. who she is, so they're like, "Oh, we're gonna give you what we give, like yeah. the big men." Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? Oh, incredible, Lydia. Would you Lydia, guys you go still see a Lydia Tarr here? Um, I uh, would have to uh, probably. What if I told you that Lydia Tarr is opening for Brand New? Oh, oh, well, <laughs> I go for <laughs> Brand New. Okay, I couldn't give a fuck about Lydia Tarr's dumbass music I, I will say dude the score is pretty great shout out to hilder uh Hood- go- Hord- Hordaden. i don't literally just i just throw consonants out there i don't know man a um, lot there's not a lot of score in this movie it's what drew just said it's a lot of just atmospheric soundscapes which you should start putting that on the pod yeah well, shout out to rumble shout out to lydia tar's composing tar is drew's four and Hunter nine seven, Hunter, or your number four? My number four, I feel like we're gonna have to wait on a little bit. My number four is Jordan Peele's Nope. You're gonna have to wait on that one. Yep. All right, so your four is Nope. My number four is Top Gun Maverick. You're gonna have to save that shit. Top Gun Maverick. Wow. Number three. Top three. This is top three. This is my my movie. I really want to stump for that. I think we've all seen. I think I, think I know where you're going here. Give it to me. Are triangles your favorite shape? Yeah. Yeah. I Hell knew it. Yes. I knew. I knew this is in your wheelhouse. Triangle right here. of sadness. It is. Oh my god. <laughs> I I really. I mean, it just makes me want to watch more Ruben Ostland. I need to see Force Majeure. I know because it, it's like, th- like that's the only. Can you name another European like comedy that has become such a massive? Uh, well, you should also watch The Square too. No, I know The I Square know. is. Uh, I I think The Square might have been. It was in my top like twenty in twenty seventeen, wherever that came out. Um, I know. I Triangle of Sen. Every time I think of it, it grows in my estimation. I love that fucking movie. Um, Fuck yeah. It, it, it has a lot of elements that, like, 
isolated from one another I love and then even put together which is where it falls apart for people is like put together as a whole um it it doesn't quite work perfectly for a ton of people that's why it's not making like lists for example but it it just does for me it fucking rocks the way that it begins introducing Harris Dickinson as if he is just going to be a traditional protagonist and in, in, uh, on the worst date ever. <laughs> it's, it's even before the date that he's introduced though. It's oh, on like, it's on like, that, it's, yeah, yeah, it's the, on like a fashion, yeah, shoot. like a yeah. reality show about like fashion models pre shoot H and M Balenciaga. And then, yeah. And then he, so like where this movie goes, the yeah, you start there. <laughs> you start think, there. Yeah. It's very measured and like paced out. Like it's not like like rushing through any of that. It's giving you like these like like awkward moments, sort of like telling emotional moments of yeah, him doing that, him auditioning, so you know where he's at, him uh on the date and then back in the hotel room and then making up with his girlfriend. Rest in peace, his girlfriend, by the way. What's her name? Uh, right, Charles B. Dean. Yeah, who's incredible in this so movie rocks just mm-hmm. as good as Harris Dickinson she she's so good um that's like 20 minutes and we're not like on the boat <laughs> like yeah. that that is such cool storytelling to me because they don't I guess you could say Harris Dickinson is the protagonist of the movie, but this movie doesn't have a protagonist like the the movie just abandons him it's, for like an hour yeah no I mean the movie it he's around it's, but, I, yeah. if anything this is it kind of felt to me while watching it. This is like three different movies. It's like three short stories that are all interlaced together yeah. between this overarching theme of like rise and fall of yeah. this. And it's just yeah. super wealthy well, class. On and, cruise, and knowing but. that Austin wrote force majeure is interesting because in the beginning little sequence, you have a very long and fascinating conversation about like gender roles and like, you know, like, should Harris have to pay for the meal yeah. when he makes less money than her? Should a father abandon his family? Exactly. As a snowstorm. So, is- <laughs> yeah. So that's that's definitely like a an interest of Oslin is 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 masculinity um, yeah. and its limits. Uh, you get that and and that carries you don't know it's going to, but you get a little in the second act on the boat, uh, which is. Just dominated by Woody Harrelson. The boat slaps so hard. Um, it, it's so fucking fun. You're on the boat. Uh, you don't know where it's going to go. If if you know a little bit about the movie, you know that it's like a boat movie. Yeah, that's the closest thing you know is that there's a boat involved. Yeah, but you you really you spend time with and get to know like a lot of different characters. Like yeah. you really do. You get to know the older couple, the 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 fucking freak Russian guy and his yeah. wife. Um, who then just the like grenade, <laughs> grenade manufacturer. Yeah. His, his wife, who then you get to see just like slosh around in a bunch of puke and shit later <laughs> for like five minutes. Oh yeah. <laughs> well, I mean this whole middle chunk, like it seems like Austin is like very deliberately trying to make some type of statement about the the world right now. This this boy Moo just like made this a 4D experience. Oh, no. <laughs> as soon oh, as you no. mentioned piss and shit. <laughs> oh my god. Moo is out here oh. <laughs> trying to make us feel like we're back on the boat. I'm probably used to it because I'm I'm not getting it. <laughs> You're fried. Yeah. <laughs> just every day for me. 
the the notion of like this boat going down you know the the storm is shaking yeah it which by the way forth, for the record though that is after like over 30 minutes of of just like character development yeah you're just meeting you're meeting people you're laughing at them you're laughing with them um you're meeting the staff of the cruise ship well that's that's what i'm getting at it's like obviously like the dolly de leon character is going to play into the 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 last chunk but the idea of like we all still have to play our roles as the ship is going down like if you extrapolate that to our modern society the idea that like in the covid pandemic people still had to go work at starbucks Mm -hmm. as like everyone okay now now i'm getting in a little bit It's just a it's, delay. They, they stick around. It had to like float back to you over here. <laughs> as as the, the idea of that, like you still have to participate in commerce and like the servants still have to serve mm-hmm. as this like ship is like about to fucking sink. Yeah. And there, the, there's and, a lot of meat there. And the, you, the biggest uh, perpetrator of that is I think the character Paula who like once they get ashore immediately it doesn't matter who her leader is she will be the second in command yeah. you know yeah. she's like i don't i don't give a fuck who it is i'm going to be the assistant because that is safe mm-hmm. um it just it like the way this movie allocates time and attention is exactly perfect to me that's what i want i want i want to be wondering where we're going next and this movie leaves. yeah yeah this is a, the ultimate movie for that for just like kind of you never feel safe you never like really get your footing in this movie yeah exactly like harold you you get tons of you know you finally get into harrelson and the russian guy um that sequence goes on for so long <laughs> him and the russian guy just fucked up they're trash <laughs> so faded on the intercom system just the captain and dimitri just hanging out yeah <laughs> and that's you know that's one of the parts where the movie becomes more overt you know where it's the sh- the ship captain is like a you know an american communist and the russian guy is like a russian capitalist <laughs> and they're so, that's so that's funny really yeah and they're, they're trading yeah, quotes back and forth um, and I don't, and then meanwhile, before that, you're getting the whole thing with Harris Dickinson, uh, being intimidated by the, the staff member who's not wearing a shirt, you know, you're, so you're still getting the masculinity stuff. And then you're getting the Russian dude's wife. Who's insisting that the whole staff like gets in the pool and comes and plays with them. And it's like, just like so fucking painful to watch like that, that one step, her name's Alicia, the blonde girl. Yeah. Uh, she's good. Well, mm. the 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 bleach blonde is Paula, but then yeah, the the blonde like longer hair. Yeah, Alicia Erickson is the actress. Her character is Alicia. The pain in her face, trying to figure out what the fuck to do <laughs> when a you know a guest is ordering her to not do her job, <laughs> and it's like five minutes of that. Like it's like yeah, no. If you're in the pocket of a scene, just stay there. Like just keep do keep doing it for a while. There's no rush. Like you don't you don't have to like have some sort of perfectly perfectly crafted like every single line plays into the next one script. You can have a series of vignettes. Yeah. You can have you can have scenes that are related by theme, and by the way, also by like uh, by time period and by there is a plot because they're all in the same fucking boat. 
This is well that that awkward comedy is very I I would say very European yeah, kind of comedy. Very like, like they love that. Yeah. They love that. This movie actually we should say the the BAFTAs they they like it. I mean it it didn't get. I'm sorry, it wasn't a war epic on the likes of All Quiet on the Western Front, but it did get... People love it, when you remake a movie that they loved uh, 90 years ago. It, it did get good. It got original screenplay. It got um, casting. The BAFTAs have a casting award, which is great. And uh, Dolly DeLeon. Yeah. Um, who I, She was my vote for supporting actress at our critics group. I can tell you I, I, where she was she my was. number one vote. I, uh, she was number two on my ballot. So we're doing God's work out here. She, she was only behind Janelle Monet for me. Like, absolutely I, takes over the back half of this movie. I, yeah, and it's glorious. So this is a movie I really need to rewatch because I really loved it a lot. Whenever I first saw it, I will say I saw this movie at the Indian. My audience was not fucking into this movie at all. Really? And I think it's because I the cry I saw it. The Enzian sometimes can, depending on the day and time you go, it can get a little bit it can get a little bit stuffy, it can get a little bit old, a little bit like long in the tooth, a little wealthy. And there was a certain point where uh there was this I did the thing where like I went down to like the lower section. There was a woman who came in and she had like four little tiny dogs in there. She basically, no. she basically belonged on the ship no. for from that. They yeah, go I was on. Say. She was like super upper, like upper class in winter park area had these little dogs with her. And she was just like, Oh yeah. Would you like to hold my dogs before the movie started? So I was just like, I, yeah. Okay. <laughs> so like I pet these dogs and then as, <laughs> <laughs> As we're devolving into chaos, As I can just puking. see her looking around <laughs> and like looking for reactions. At this point, I'm like, fuck yeah, this rules. Just because I'm just in more than the movie itself, I'm enjoying watching her reacting to the movie. And she just left. Yeah. <laughs> this, it, <laughs> she, just, she just got up and left. I mean, it becomes it, like when the ship is sinking, it's like very up, viscerally upsetting to watch. Yeah. You're watching like, there people are swimming warnings. in shit. There are like actual warnings <laughs> of like, there's a lot of vomit. You watch a whole crew. Yeah, you watch an entire room full of people puking for like 10, 15 minutes. Like, but, and that's, that is, I don't know. That's why I love this movie. I wish more people would direct it. Puking like shit. Well, because <laughs> Auslan, like, I'm sure Force Majeure has like a, a more like quote unquote normal time allocation for it to become like as big a deal as it became. But this is. This is filmmaking that follows what's interesting instead of what the hook is. Because if you were to, if you get on Google and you read the hook, it says a cruise for the super, super rich sinks. That's how it starts. That is that's something that happens in the movie. That, that's sure. There is an hour plus before that. Yeah. Straight up like an hour of movie. And that's not what any producer would want mm -hmm. that. But that is what a writer and director would want because there's a lot of interesting shit to get into before the shit sinks. You know what I mean? Yeah. And there is, it, it, it does suffer a tiny bit toward the end just because like we're forming an entirely new society on an Island with, but, so, with the back but, half of the movie. I don't think that's, I, I think it suffers I don't if you're comparing it to uh, the, the first half of the movie, but that's a great, it's not a bad part. Like, no, it's, it's not. Detached, That's the thing. It's, but it's it, still rocks. It's equally interesting just in a different way because it's interesting in like plot ways. Like it, like things are moving very quickly in that segment and that's fine. 
and it it might feel a little jolt, you know, stilting to some people, especially upon like first watch and like not reflecting. It's like, oh, wow. Like, like there's not a lot going on. And then there's a fuckload going on. Um, I, I just I think you need to watch this through the lens of just like what's what's interesting. So I. I I mean I I did I love this movie. It's in my top twenty. Like it was on my long list of movies to make my top ten. I do really love this movie. But one thing that I did have coming away with this is that this does there is a little bit of disjointedness, and I think part of that is almost purposeful in what Ruben Osland is going for here. He is trying to keep you on your toes. But I did have a couple different moments where I was like. This is feeling like three different movies and we're trying to find the through line here. But I, I mean, I think that you you worded it in probably the best way of just saying it's following what's most interesting scene to scene. But there is a little bit of disjointedness to it that I feel like is not in Oslin's other works. Mm, gotcha. Like I even still, I have not seen Force Majeure. At least I haven't seen all of them. I'm pretty sure I've seen a good chunk of it, but I still think I like the square more than triangle of sadness, more contained. Uh, it's a lot more contained. It does get wild. It has a point where a man just starts acting like an ape and jumping on tables for like way too long. It's like, it's the same type of thing where it's a scene where you're like, all right, please cut, please cut, please for the love of God, cut to the next. Those scene. are my please, yeah, please for the that's love why of this fucking is so high. God. Those stop, are, stop, stop. Those are my like, favorite scenes in it, anything. It has it has plenty of those, just like how a Triangle of Sadness does. But I mean, this it still is one of the best casts of the year. It it really does just kind of get that thing down of just like it's a little bit heavy handed with its commentary. But almost purposefully so. It's like trying to... It's literally swimming in the piss and shit of the upper class and showing you that we're all the fucking same. That we're you're just... Yeah. What you have is nothing. And, like, it's all and materialistic when we're all, and nothing matters. And when we're all and, on an island, and it exactly, all changes. It's all going to come down to like, well, I have access to this thing, so I am now your king. Yeah. Like, that is... That's and, it. And, yeah, and like some people are in different roles, and yet some are in the same roles. Harris Dickinson... Hate, would hate to admit it. He's sort of in a similar role yeah. on the island. It's just, slut, it's, a lot, it's just a lot more overt. <laughs> but the whole reason he's on that boat is because he's the same thing. Right. Um, that's that's why I love it, because I think you can find the through line. I think it it would hold up upon rewatch, like looking for that through line. Um, like one of my favorite movies ever is Gone Girl. And it's sort of a similar deal to me. It's yeah. like you it it. It's different store. It, it's different feels, but you find yeah. what's the same. So it's, it's a prism that you can look at. You know, the the light shines different at different angles. Yeah. Triangle of sadness. Drew's number three. Great pick. Great, Great pick. pick. Uh, Hunter number three. <sighs> what is my number three? Oh yeah, I know what my number three is. Ba 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 lon 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 ba 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 lon 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 ba 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 lon ba 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 and it was the best pitch for me that Did he I, say that it was two skin and marinks <laughs> long. It is, is in fact the, two the skin runtime, the runtime of two skin and marinks. <laughs> no, it's just it's I feel like it's the most honest and like like 
I don't know. It's just a very simple way to portray the movie that made me want to watch it so bad because he was like, do you see it? And I was like, no, I haven't yet. And he said, it's like family guy. <laughs> and I said, what? I said, LMAO what? And he said, yeah, it has like really lowbrow, stupid humor. It's yeah. great. <laughs> it, it opens in the, in the that, first. Let me, that made me want to watch it. Let me tell you two, in the first two minutes of this movie, an elephant shits on the camera. Yeah, just, it, the it's, camera is just pointed at the anus of an elephant and it shits all over the camera. That's so cool. this is a thing. <laughs> That's how the movie starts. <laughs> this movie, Damien Chazelle. I mean, let's go back to the director draft. Damien Chazelle was my first round draft pick. He was number one on my big board. He was my guy. This has been a guy who I'm just like, this is this is my large adult son who makes films and I'm claiming him as my own. And I love this man. I love First Man, but even after First Man, I was like, what's next? It was kind of, well, it was a thing of like, all right, is he a little bit one note? Does this man have a sense of humor? Is this man able to kind of make more broad films? And Babylon, we'll talk, we'll talk a little bit about some of its messiness but this movie leveled up damien chazelle in my mind this at this point now after seeing this i'm like yeah no damien chazelle you're back blank check whatever you want to do for the rest of your life not, unfortunately not paramount, after, paramount did this. give him a blank check for this movie and it's not working out great for paramount them, gave but, him a 150 million dollar blank check that is not gonna clear <laughs> you know but uh it's fine um i think that what he is doing in this movie is masterful he <laughs> which probably isn't what Paramount might have wanted. The first was it 25 minutes, 30 minutes. It's of a party. Movie. It's a nonstop. Party. It is everything before the actual title card hits. Babylon is something that Chazelle is pushing you to walk out of the theater. Chazelle is pushing you to like actually pass on this movie. You mentioned the elephant shitting. Uh, there's this giant party that's filled with drugs, active sex, people just fucking each other in this scene, people dying of overdoses, all of the excess. It's everything. There's that, fingers and butts, dicks and butts. It's everything. <laughs> it's everything that Boz Lerman thinks that he's fucking doing whenever he's making a movie. And da Damien Chazelle is just doing this off of a fucking whim. All of that. It's everything on the screen at the same time. It's messy. It's all of the excess. And then flash. Then you get the title card. So that first 30 minutes is just going to automatically deter like 95% of people. But if you buy in, if you are the type of person to say like, I love excess. Fuck yes. Give me this. <laughs> Give me just a little bit more. <sighs> Give me a little bit of excess. Ah, umi, oh I my. need another hit. <laughs> that was arena. Sawayama uh, reference. I got it. Thank you. Um, so from there, we lead into the golden hour sequence of everything being on the set, which is my favorite sequence in any movie I've seen this year. Uh, I, wa I watched it again. I've, uh, I've watched it like five times. I can't by, stop. By myself in my living room. And I stood up and cheered by myself in my living room. It's I, so I clapped. good. It's, it's incredible filmmaking. Like it's, you watch this and you're like, how is anyone able to master the art of filmmaking to the extent that he has. I, that's the thing is that I just feel like nobody is better at just pointing a camera at something and just making it 
the best. But it's thing. not just that. But it's, it's everything else. It's the editing. It's the music. It's yeah. the acting. It's well, every component just perfectly gelled together. So, it, it's fireworks. Let's let's take those like one by one because I mean I mentioned like checking off the boxes of like ten out of ten things that now we're we're picking nits here. Now that we're up here at the top of like what's number one, what's number four. What separates this for me is all of those elements that you just mentioned there. First of all, the cast. This is my best best cast of the year. Um, Margot Robbie every, in a world that, every scene, in a world dude. that Kate Blanchett doesn't exist and isn't Lydia Tarr. I'm here vouching for Margot Robbie as best actress. She's not getting any love for this award, and I have no idea why. Because I think this is the best performance Margot Robbie has ever given Easily. in a movie. Easily. It's, it's the best woman that Damien Chazelle's ever written in a woman in a movie where that, Chazelle that's is a low bar. <laughs> I, well, Chazelle has a lot written, of options. I, I think Emma Stone in La La Land is pretty okay, good. Okay, Yeah, that is. Yeah, that's pretty that good, good. But Margot Robbie is so much more complex of a character where at the end of the day, Emma Stone is like good, but also like she's still kind of one note. Margot Robbie is this like this heroine, but also you can just see all of the warts and they just keep growing and getting more in your face to like confront them. But you're just like, I still just want to follow this woman. It's it's It's, the most, it's like if someone were to walk onto a movie set, like fresh out of nowhere and have the most talent you've ever seen in your life, like no training, but they're pulling all that talent from this darkness, this sadness, this trauma. Of their life. And the way that that's handled in the movie is just like expertly done. It's so, so well done. Um, Diego Calva. He needs to be a star. He should be a movie star. He is out here in scenes with Margot Robbie and Brad Pitt and is kind of owning the scenes. And like I it's just kind of especially as I've rewatched this movie, as I've revisited this in my head, like. I don't know why he is not getting more praise for this He's movie because so he is just straight up a movie star. His character, it, it he gets consumed by the sleaziness because mm-hmm. like this story, this is a story about Hollywood. This is a story about how like as Hollywood gets more popular, it gets darker. It gets more yeah. uh, artificial. It gets more consumed by financial interests and he embodies that you know he has to be the face of a lot of that i think i mean going a little bit more big picture with this movie i think a reason why this movie is a not getting uh mass audience love and b not getting awards love is because one it is over three hours long uh it is a meaty boy And it's a movie about Hollywood. It's a movie about making movies, which in general don't really make a lot of money, but they make awards money there. They get the awards credit. They get Oscars. They get all this love. Um, This movie is very mean spirited towards movies, not or I should say not mean spirited towards movies, mean spirited towards Hollywood. It's pro cinema anti-hollywood yeah it's movies good very hollywood it's bad. very anti-movie <laughs> industry and how like if you take part in this it will swallow you up it will chew you it will use you and it will spit you out into nothing um gene smart in this movie lover oh my god Love everyone I, everyone she rocks. should be in the best supporting actress yeah. uh, ca- conversation because she is incredible of course there's brad pitt there um toby mcguire <laughs> really well <laughs> save thoughts on toby uh brad pitt uh 
is like this really tragic yeah. character. He, he's not having to pull real deep for when he starts like yelling and screaming and throwing things. Well, so apparently, and I've read rumors. I don't know how much of this is true, but originally they went to Leo for the perform for the role, and Leo said this is a little bit too similar to my character in sure. Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Yeah. And so Brad Pitt's basically doing Leo's role in Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. It's a guy who's at the end of his career and you're kind of seeing it start to dwindle down a little bit while you're seeing other stars go up at the same time. It's, it's official, buddy. I'm a has-been. <laughs> I mean, just seeing to see... There's so many sequences in this movie and that's kind of the thing that separates this for me. It makes this like very rewatchable in my mind is that I can distill this down to a number of sequences. I'm not going to get into specifics of them for Drew and for listeners because this movie is still vastly underseen and people need to go seek a, this movie a out. A massive flop. Yeah, tell, like tell me, huge flop. Tell me when you want to spoil though and I'll go pee pee. Um, I'll, I'll wait. I, I, won't, I won't spoil anything right now. But like sequences wise where it's just like Man, remember the talkie scene where it's just like you can just call out like a few words and say a couple things like that. This, Hello, college. This movie is it's about the transition from Hollywood from silent films to talkies and how that led to some stars rise and that led to some yeah. stars fall. Like so to that to that point, when that, when we saw this movie, we saw this with with the critics group. We were just our mouths were watering like we we it was like we had seen the face of god i clapped multiple times when we saw this movie like we were all like that that was the best movie we had ever seen in our entire lives like do not make any more movies this is the movie to end all movies oh well yeah especially the ending of this movie is and Damien uh, Chazelle knows how to fucking end a movie, guys. <laughs> he turns out that man knows how to how to end a film. And uh, I, at that point, I hadn't seen Singing in the Rain. And now I've seen Singing in the Rain. I saw Singing in the Rain for the first time in the past month. And Great then I movie. One Perfect of the movie. best it's movies the best, I've ever it's seen. It's the best movie about Hollywood ever made. And um, then I watched Babylon again. And I was like, is Damien Chazelle a hack? <laughs> Should we cancel Damien Chazelle for stealing all his ideas from Singing in the Rain? Because, like, a lot of this movie is just, well, it's just Singing in the Rain. <laughs> he's just doing, like, the same. I, I, he's obviously obsessed with it. He's obviously, like, it. it's like the movie that inspired him to make movies. But th there's so much of this movie that feels like he's retreading a lot of the same beats about what you're talking about like I don't the dawn an, of talking i don't think that an elephant poops on the camera and singing it. yeah I know, I, I know that i mean this is there's a lot more to it than i get what you're saying i do i I'm, I'm being i get what you're saying but the idea of like he just is so in love with this movie that he can't help himself but I, to but extrapolate also he, that's all in other his other films like if you watch umbrellas of cherbourg and then watch la la land like he's Doing dude, Umbrellas of Cherbourg in La La Land. When I when I was watching he's Singing in the Rain, doing La La Land. I was like, in, he's doing La La Land in fucking <laughs> this movie. Like this movie is actively, and I'm saying this as a La La Land defender. I'm saying this as somebody who loves La La there, Land. There's a scene in Singing in um, the Rain that's like, dude, you just in La La Land, you just ripped off of Singing in the Rain. You just stole I'm the you, whole wa thing. Wa Watch Umbrellas of Cherbourg. There's a lot of that in there. Like it's. 
It's okay. It's wearing your references on your sleeve. I, 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 that, that's fine to me. I don't this, have an issue with that. This is what happens I, when you wait so long to watch like one of the greatest movies of all time and then like everything starts to make sense yeah you watch like sharknado and then you watch jaws and you're like god they made movies about (laughs) sharks before this i think that i think damien chazelle has some issues with how he made la la land is my i think that la la land is dealing with some things no i think la la land is a very at the end of the day it's not wholly an optimistic viewing of things, but La La Land is looking at Hollywood with rose-colored glasses. La La Land is his first movie after Whiplash where he's like, I made it. I'm a big Hollywood director. I'm going to make an MGM-style uh, musical that's just going to be my version of a Singing in the Rain. It's going to be my version of a Bye Bye Birdie. I'm going to do my version of this thing of like, it's big, it's Technicolor, it's loud, big set pieces. And Babylon's kind of just like actively shitting on the camera for against the things. Yeah. Babylon is saying like, maybe we should kind of kill the old ways. Maybe we should let these ways die. You mentioned like if it's ripping off singing in the rain and it is, but also it's kind of like r- repulsing against kind of some of the things that made singing in the rain be what it was it, it against like some of the things that like the, the Hollywoodification that led to something like singing in the rain. Right. It, well, yeah, it's, 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 it's tied to the advancements in technology. Like that's yeah. what this movie's about. Sound, the dawn of sound is a technological advancement and it's something that took time and effort and a lot of work to try to get right and that's what this movie shows that's something that singing in the rain shows but the the way that this movie kind of tackles that idea different is that it it blows that idea up so much um and maybe this is a time to get into spoilers no real quick because we can put a timestamp for spoilers for babylon but real quick just want to give a shout out to the other things uh the score justin herwitt's score it's the best score Just, of the year. Justin Herbert. Justin Herbert's score. Um, he's probably going to win an Oscar. Uh, he should. Uh, this is his best score that he's ever made. Uh, this is better than the Whiplash score. This is better than the La La Land score. Um, I have listened to the score continuously since it's come out. It's fucking masterful. Uh, speaking again to the La La Landification, there's like almost like a... Um, what do you call it? Uh, in the music, motif. The, yeah, the, 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 the motif uh, that's in... Uh, Someone in the crowd and from La La Land that's then kind dun, of recycled dun, dun, back dun, in dun, here. Dun, dun, yeah, dun, that's kind of recycled back in here, but in it, it's transformed yeah. in a way. It it's it's so well done. So spoilers for Babylon if you haven't seen it. Uh, skip forward, but the thing that I'm trying to get at the Navi. <laughs> this movie ends with Manny seeing singing in the rain in the theater. And he has this vision of the future of cinema. And it's basically like you're in his head and he's having like this emotional breakdown, remembering his life, seeing it on the big screen depicted in in this in this movie. And I think that everything that this movie is trying to do, you know, going back to the idea of it juxtaposing these lavish orgy parties with these like sterile, um, you know, kind of 
new Hollywood parties and then the darkness of the fucking Tobey Maguire sex dungeon parties. <laughs> like it, it, it juxtaposes all these things and it's telling this story about how, like how much Hollywood changed and how it much it had to sacrifice and it being born in this blood and sex and drug filled mess. And then as it became popular, it had to, it had to sacrifice all of that for the sake of commerce. And then you end in this montage about like the future of cinema. And what it's trying to say is that like these people felt like the art, the the rawness of the art was being sacrificed by the advancement of technology, that the dawn of sound was killing what was good about their art. And the thing about movies is that movies are technology. Movies only exist because of technology. And that's seeing this movie a second time. That's a theme that really, really resonated with me. The idea that like the people in this story don't understand the big picture. But until you get to the scene with Gene, with Gene Smart and Brad Pitt, where she tells him how it is. She sits him down mm-hmm. and she's like, you need to understand the bigger picture. This will outlive us all. This will be here far, far beyond our lifetimes. You will be here. You get to live on. You get to be forever. I mean, that's one thing that like, I mean, the more I think about it, Brad Pitt's character is just kind of this tragic. He's not somebody who's some old curmudgeon who's just like, I just like, I need things to stay as they are because things are perfect as they are. He is actively from the beginning of the movie just like look what they're doing in europe they're trying to advance things we can't make another fucking costume picture we got to do something we got he's inviting the 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 era of the talkies even though he doesn't realize that he's basically he's inviting his behind. own he's inviting his yeah. own doom and that's kind of one of the things there's a lot of a lot of like very classic tragic elements to this movie that just make it resonate with me more and more and i just i i have not stopped thinking about this movie i think that there's so much that damien is trying to get off his chest it really feels almost like his first movie or his last movie well did you read the katie walsh letterbox review it's fucking legendary so it's just is this a love letter to cinema or a suicide note oh yeah (laughs) Which is it's so good. I mean, that kind of is it. Like, it really does because you know, whenever uh, an whenever a director is making their first movie, it always kind of feels like they just have to throw everything, every idea they've ever had. Or when a director is, is thinking what end? they think that they're they think that they're at no. their end of their life, they feel like they have to throw everything else they have against the wall. Chazelle is theoretically in his prime right now. He's just now entering his prime. And he made the kind He's of young. movie. And it's, That's like it's this where the do last you thing you go want. from here. Yeah, what are you gonna do? Like a silly little biopic after this? Like, what do we do? After I mean, this? he's he's gonna be in director jail. This movie cost Paramount so much money. I'm gonna, I, I'm gonna say it now. I I'm calling it. He's gonna make a documentary. Oh, I would love that. Interesting. He strikes I, me as a documentary guy. I honestly about jazz. I, that would I don't be an think interesting he, I don't choice. Think he likes jazz. I'm, I'm not sure if he's a big fan of that. It's going to be a, have enough about something there. colossal in history that failed, like the Titanic, but not quite the Titanic. It'll be, mm. I, it'll be something very like obvious that what he's thinking about. 
I'm going to be honest. I don't think he's going to director jail. He won best director as one of the youngest directors ever. I think he's going to be fine. I think he's going to get another check after this. Maybe not a $150 million check, but he'll get $50 million. He'll get $80 million to make whatever movie he wants to make. We'll see. We'll see. And maybe there will be a couple notes on this one. One of the things that is beautiful about Babylon, it feels note free. I don't know if you had that thing. Uh, yeah, it while, fucking does. While I was watching this movie, I was like, man, they just let them do whatever the fuck they wanted. They just brought Tobey Maguire in two hours and 40 minutes into this movie. To Let's fucking be, to go, be fucking dude. insane. Let's fucking go. You know, go. I, I, had I, just, him, I had him on my ballot for supporting actor. Did you? Oh, man. He was, yeah, he was my fourth, my fourth slot. I my, love my that. My ballot was Kihi Kwan, Steven Yeun, Brendan Gleeson, Tobey Maguire. Uh, let's see. My best supporting ballot was Q Kwan, Steven Young, Brendan Gleeson, Jalen Webb, who we're going to talk about him. We're talking about honorable mentions for Armageddon time. And then Brad Pitt for okay. Babylon. All right. Well, Babylon is Hunter's three and it's my eight. Eight feels low, but that just speaks to like it's the okay. quality. You don't, you don't believe in, in the greatest working act director that we have. I hate um, movies. You hate movies. You hate you just like your Navi more than you like movies. That's okay. Cool. My number three is nope. Wait. My number two. Whoa. Is everything everywhere all at once. Oh my God. Jordan Peele getting his dick hey, sucked buddy. tonight. Buddy. <laughs> my number two is also everything everywhere all at once. You're going to have to fucking wait on that one. You guys are, tr- you guys are, you, you don't even know. You don't even know. <laughs> You think you know and you don't. <laughs> You're lying to yourselves, okay? Good point. All right. My number two is RRR. Yes, Ernie, you did it. You did it. I, this We're is here. the other one I'm I didn't so get glad. to see this one. Not we did it. To, not to, not to, not to, not to, not to. Uh, the Indian Tollywood sensation. Directed by S.S. Rajamuli, taking the world by storm. Uh, you see every couple weeks, Twitter absolutely blowing up of a yet another sold out screening of people just absolutely losing their fucking minds over this movie. And rightfully so. Best picture is coming. Let's do it. Because uh, this movie is one of the most uh, insane, uh, wholesome uh, tragic, beautiful, heartwarming movies, works of art, works of cinematic art that you will ever see in your whole life. It's it's the complete package, folks. It has everything. It has it's 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 literally the Stefan of it's got it all. This place has everything: dancing, music, Lines. violence, guns, British colonialism. <laughs> Uh, it it just manages. It is a big meaty three hour boy, like a lot of these movies on this list, like this podcast right now. <laughs> and but much like this podcast, there is an intermission. There is an intermission. Exactly, nice. it Love breaks that. it up. This one, it, I feel like it's going to be three hours without the intermission. <laughs> yeah, well, it okay. breaks it up into two um, half or one and a half hour chunks, and 
you get everything you could possibly want in each one. Like the rise and fall, those this bromance, these two beautiful boys that fall deeply in love with each other on a quest, you know, opposing quests on different sides of the law. And it's everything that you could possibly want in a huge movie. It, this makes every Marvel movie look like absolute dog shit. <laughs> so, yeah. It, it, it's just so – it's so earnest. It's so sincere. It's so willing to give itself completely over to every idea that it has. Every single moment strikes you with complete surprise like you couldn't possibly predict how much more over the top this movie is going to get like if you love movies if you love being surprised by movies if you love being taken on a ride and not in in the way that marvel takes you on a ride when they like look at the camera every five seconds and they're like and they're like can you believe this right now like can you can you believe that you're actually here right now no these people are fully into it. They are all the way into these roles. So, so fully just enthralling performances. I, this is a movie that also is just all in. I mean, we just talked about Babylon, but just like this is the excess in the the blockbuster form that this is just like we are going to go. The most over-the-top set pieces you have ever seen in your entire stupid little lives. And also, it's just going to look beautiful, and you're just going to sit there with, like... There, This has, like, is up there for just, like, the most I smiled while watching a movie this year. That was just like, fuck yeah. But they, they did that, too. It's, it's cool. incredible, guys. It's fucking incredible. It's, it's so just, good. I was, a, I was a denier. Well, I wasn't even a denier. I just didn't watch it. Um... Shout out to the two main leads, um, N.T. Ramaro Jr. and Ram Sharan, uh, who's just a hot dude, dude just out here. What a fucking hunk. snack and a half this mm. man is. I showed this to a guy, and she was like, "Oh, I was like, hey, that, like that, his, his introduction we, at the beginning where he like fights a." a group of like a thousand no, he men he uses human bodies as like stepping stones as he's just like jumping around to fucking like this, just this, beat the shit out of this, this protester movie, it, this guy the, the director Rajamuli, he just has this ability to create these like epic shots where like this one shot of this guy's face it just feels so fucking massive like this whole movie just it it has this incredible weight to it. Nothing feels disposable. Everything feels like it's building upon itself. It's this amazing story of this friendship that gets built up and broken apart and then built back up again. And it, all along the way, like you have the dancing and you have the romance and you have the violence and the flashbacks. And it's just they throw everything in and it all clicks together. And I I I couldn't possibly ask for yeah. anything else this this is this is everything that you want for it's, film <laughs> it's continually one-upping itself with its set pieces because we get these two character introduction set pieces which would already be the coolest set piece in any other movie in any other american blockbuster you'd see it would just be like oh that part where the guy just like covered himself in blood and then dead sprinted through the forest away Th from that's just his introduction yeah <laughs> That's like, just how we meet that guy. <laughs> just, it's going to get better from there. 
Um, of course, the Natu Natu dance sequence is phenomenal. It's so good. I just Natu Natu for best song. If that doesn't win best song, it's a fucking. If that loses to the Lady Gaga song in Top Gun Maverick, it's a crime. It is a fucking crime. Oh, I can see it now. You're enabling that happening with your fucking list, Hunter. Don't <laughs> act like you're not. I don't know what you mean by that. Um, I can see it now. The the two leads from RR performing Natu Natu set against a backdrop like, of Gene Kelly to, uh, and Fred Astaire. Hello, Papa from Pinocchio. <laughs> Ciao, Papa. Mm. Um, I, uh, I love this movie. I plan beautiful. on having it on in a loop during my wedding celebration fuck yeah and everyone will be are, forced to watch it. ernie are we gonna are we all going to have to learn the natu natu dance to do at your it's first not flamenco and it's not salsa <laughs> and it's not anything except natu natu i'm down for it I'm, I'm ready for it um when the fuck are they gonna play this in theaters in orlando is my question they did and no one saw yeah, it. Yeah. Well, they played it like months ago. I want we them to play it. I want them to do it now. I just want oh my them God, to the do IMAX. another showing. I'm ready for it. Could you imagine it. at the fucking point IMAX? I'm so ready for it. I can find like 500 <sighs> friends to go see this movie. Dear Lord. It's incredible. It's so If good. you haven't seen RR, please. It's on Netflix. It's incredible. It's so good. It's on Netflix. It's, it's, it's so fucking good. All right. True. You ever seen a bad miracle? Nope. Okay, bye. It's my number one. Um, nice. Uh, it's an instant classic. Mm-hmm. It's it's modern but old. Mm-hmm. It's it's so many con- contrasting things all at once. It feels familiar. It feels it feels like seeable and predictable, and yet it's so inscrutable. Um, and it's it's complex in what it's trying to say. Um, and it, and it doesn't particularly nail anything down in the way that like you would expect it to. It has some of the most visually uh, striking and haunting sequences I've ever seen in any movie. Um, I'd yeah, say Gordy's home. Yeah. The, I mean the, you know, the digesting sequence. Oh my God. That's such a small little thing too. Uh, mm-hmm. Just a quick little thing. Yeah. Well, followed immediately by the raining on the house. <laughs> oh my God. Yeah. It, it's some of the best shit I've ever seen in a movie. And that's why it's, on, that's why it's my number one. It's, it, it, like the highs of this movie uh, are up there with the highs of any movie I've ever seen ever. He he ever. is on another level here. Uh, Jordan Peele was my pick in our critics group for best director. He was my number one best director. And I picked him because like, even though I love get out and us, like I love both those movies. And I, I think that get out on a screenplay level is like as tight as you can possibly get as perfect as you can possibly get. Um, nope. On a directing level is it's bigger. It's yeah. so it's, much more is, ambitious. He, he's doing Spielberg, man. He did the Spielberg thing. And like then the old school. School. Yeah. Like he is able to do the Spielberg thing and inject it with all the social commentary that he's been known for. Yeah, I mean, this is only his third movie, but now, like, you come into a Peel movie expecting some type of, like, added commentary on, like, our modern society. And this has so much. Like, it, it's about Hollywood. It's about, um, you know, our, our kind of fixation on capturing our lives through the internet. It's about 
black people's need to capture their lives in order to prove what is happening to them through the lens of a camera. There's so many layers to this movie that like, I mean, I love Spielberg, but he never attempted anything as ambitious as this. The idea that like you can't control nature or it will unleash itself on you and, well, and he did and that's you. called jurassic park uh quite literally of controlling nature but no but I, i'm talking about like jurassic park stacked on top of like five yeah, other well things. it's jurassic park mixed with close encounters and et and et it's it's taking all of these different ideas and adding more horror elements than have ever been in a spielberg movie yeah and it has uh we did we did our quick little like actor draft uh, I think last year we're gonna yeah, we're gonna I, do another one. Daniel Kaluuya is my pick for best actor of the year. Um, my two, yeah, of, he was my number one too. Two, yeah, two of my picks in that draft were Daniel Kaluuya and then uh, actually no, Stephen Young. Stephen Young, yeah, Stephen Young was my uh, number two in supporting actor. Yeah. I like. So guess what? You, we can do another I, draft all you fucking want, but I want to. <laughs> I'm keeping the results of that draft. I did great. Um, no, I. This is the best Jordan Peele movie yet. Like this is uh, my favorite movie of his yet. It's a movie that like again, I kind of ran out of time on rewatches because otherwise this also could be vying for that top spot. I mean, this is at this point number four, number one. We're splitting hairs on what I have based on the yeah. Day, it was but my top four was really tough, but I, it's it's just so um. I don't know. It's hard to capture what makes it special. And I think that's what makes it special mm -hmm. is that it's it, like it, it is like a microcosm of what it's about. It's a it's about capturing something that's special. Yeah. I mean, it's about it's about filmmaking in the yeah. same way that like Babylon is about filmmaking. Yeah. Nope is also and about it, that. And like, it has like it, it. I don't know. It just it, like he, it, he gets a lot of Spielberg, but he combines so many different things. It reminds me of. This is annoying, but it sort of reminds me of Kanye, where he's he's taking elements from like so many different like different, sampling, different decades, different genres, different everything. Um, because you you know you're getting like Lynch, you know in in the yeah in the backroom scene like that mm. is that is that is one of my favorite scenes of the year. It's in my top five, um, probably my top three. And then you're getting you know you're getting very traditional horror that. Uh, from the 80s and beyond. And then, I don't know, I think what elevates it the most is he's not afraid to also just give you pretty standard camp in the form of that weird-ass fucking editor. <laughs> um, and then yeah. and then forcing him to interact with your comic relief character played by uh, Angel... Or is the Angel, Angel is the character's name. Yeah. Brandon uh, Perez. Who, yeah, who fucking rocks, by the way. Um, and Michael Wincott. Pairing our pa guy just out there, cinematographer, just the gruffest voice you've ever heard in your life. Yeah, just making, the anti Marcel the Shell, if you will. Making those two characters interact with one another is is an, a a perfect uh, resemblance of of what Jordan Peele does. Like he he is making things interact that don't usually have to yeah. in a movie and yet somehow they work together i said a similar thing about like alex g's fucking album this year i like i just i really have a thing for stuff like this where it's like those two things haven't quite gone together that way before and and yet there's not like particularly a reason why right other than standard convention he just figures out a way to combine shit different and and it pushes 
it pushes the medium forward. Like he is using cutting edge technology, the infrared IMAX setups for a lot of the nighttime photography. It looks the, it looks like pretty fucking flawless. The, yeah. the idea that like you're going to have an uh, a UFO alien creature that doesn't look unlike any other alien creature you've ever seen and before. Is, well, and it's also it going to entirely change change form like with maybe like 20 minutes left in the movie. Yeah. It's going to look like an entirely mm. different and more magnificent thing. <laughs> and like it's if, all going to be it's all going to be about something. It's not just going to be like just some fluffy movie thing that doesn't ever give you any substance. It's all going to be based on a core idea, multiple core ideas. That's the the crazy thing that this movie does is that it packs in so many different things and you can pick out different ideas like the 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 nature theme the spectacle theme the black people needing to photograph their trauma theme like that's that's a huge that's a huge thing that like most people wouldn't catch that on their first time but jordan peele being a black man like that's going to be first on his mind you know the idea that like you have to capture it you have to prove it no one will believe you the the dramatic weight of that when it comes to someone of a specific walk of life what yeah. that could but mean don't look to at someone. it don't make eye contact yeah like you can't like get and also too close. and also if if i don't you know exploit this and like gain off of it someone else is going yeah. to it is but, going and then, and then the and then tying it to the the dad dying at the beginning and that's everything building off of the fact that like he's doing this because it killed his fucking dad and he can't think about anything else yeah playing he he does a really good job of playing just like a weird guy Kaluuya. he's no, so well good. that's the thing i oh. mean between this never and, seen uh, him be a weirdo before this and uh uh what was uh, Judas and the Black Messiah last year yeah, or where two you, years ago? Where it's like polar opposites. And it's like, oh, so you can just do anything, huh? Yeah. You can just you can play anything. He's been, in he's, here. Been those, like he, he's been fucking pure evil. Before. Yeah. Like he, he's widows. He, yeah. Like uh, he's incredible and something like that. No, I think that a couple things of this movie, like how it's just kind of set here. I, this has probably been the movie that Gaia and I have talked about the most throughout this course of this year, especially with everything the Stephen Young character, everything that he is about, about the inclusion of um, uh, what's the name of the uh, the sitcom? Um, Gordy's Home. Gordy's Home. Yeah. About like everything that is going on there and what Jordan Peele is trying to say. There's just so much to unpack yeah. there. Turning your trauma it's, into spectacle yeah. for other people to enjoy. And kind of uh, it's something that in the past year I've started going to therapy more and about uh, deflection is a real thing. Uh, and almost it, it it's kind of it's it's tangentially related to uh, a thing that uh, I personally do. It's very common which is like kind of deflecting with comedy as opposed to actually dealing with trauma is just like, ah, it's easier to just make a joke about this. Um, and it's kind of the same type of principle ideas instead of actually dealing with these traumas that you're having. I'm just going to like turn this around and just make this like, haha, isn't it this crazy spectacle thing that happened? You could spend the night in the room where all the things happen with all the memorabilia, like instead of actually dealing with those events that are occurring and then, trying to once capitalize on that once again with these alien creatures showing up here. I, 
it's so incredible. Everything that he's trying to do here, not to mention the fucking technical aspects of this movie. This probably is like the best sound of any yeah. movie that like I've well, ever this, heard. This is the it's one just, that got away this award season. It's, I, it's not even going to be nominated. How did this not get best sound? Like, I don't. It's insane. That's dumbfounding to me that you're like, uh, Elvis wins best sound because uh, he's singing it. What? What the fuck are we doing? Like, what are you kidding me? Like the sound production in this, there's not a lot of movies that, especially if you aren't like a keen listener, like, or a keen movie watcher that you would necessarily pick out the sound design. But this is one of those movies that whenever yeah. you're talking about, like the sequence of getting like eaten by this alien <laughs> and you're in its guts, crunch, crunch, crunch. like <laughs> it's, it, it sucks you in. It fills up everywhere like whether you're in a theater watching it at home whatever soundscape yeah. you're watching it on it just it it envelops and then you. also like super traditional sound stuff like the balloons popping during yep. the monkey yeah. scene uh it's the, just the like, heroic bouncing. theme when they're trying to get the shot that when kaluuya is just on the horse and Ugh. then and then the music that plays while steven yoon is giving his monologue about what happened with the yeah. monkey is is some of my favorite scoring of of the year like it's it, so good yeah it's just it has that like ethereal like unattainable element that i think that really 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 great movies have where like certain choices you you couldn't give like a why it works it just does like it, exactly. yeah it, it all just makes sense when yeah. you put it together and that that's like yeah those are my favorite type of movies so it's my number one nope yeah it's nope. drew's one hunter's four and my three Hunter, nice. let's get to your number one, one, number one, number one, number one. Tom Cruise saved movies, guys. He did it. Um, I have a this is actually going to be the last podcast that I do because I have uh, enlisted in the Church of Scientology. Oh, you're going to be on the front lines. Yeah, I'm there. I'm going to be fighting the good fight. Um, I don't believe that they believe in microphones. So. Oh, okay. So you're not allowed. Yeah. It's against your religion. Yeah, I can't do that. But what I can do is preach the gospel of Top Gun Maverick. So A, a true achievement. I, here's the thing. Especially over the last... <laughs> year since like march april this was not my number one um i had a movie that's going to be your number one Ernest, as my number one spot and, and then this movie came out no this movie came out in and may. i saw it in may and i saw it again and i just kind of sit here sat here kept thinking about it and we, they did, came we out, did a rowdy pod yeah, we with did. Dane. Yeah, it was a we great were, time. We came, we came to came podcast from the theater. directly from I'm the theater. I'm dripping in sweat, um, <laughs> drinking a few more Natty Lights. Uh, but uh, this movie came out on 4K. It came out at home release. And uh, dude, since it, it came it out. rocks at home. Dude, let me just tell you. I've watched this movie like five times. Yeah. I do the I, I do the dad thing where I just stand up. I just like stand up and like I put my hands like on my hips <laughs> I, and I'm like, all right, this is the this is the scene where he like does the trial in two and a half this, minutes. There's something I got, about I gotta this. stand up right now. <laughs> I, I've talked about this with Colin and with Gaia that there's something about this that just 
feels so classic movie that yeah. this is the classic they don't make them like this anymore where even like whenever we're getting a blockbuster there's something still very like 2020 about it there's something that's still very modern and Top Gun Maverick just feels timeless. This feels like a movie that if this movie was released in 1992, this would be best picture. This movie would be Titanic. This movie would win like 12 Oscars. And we'd be like, yeah, Top Gun Maverick masterpiece. But like, because the kind of dynamics have shifted a little bit that I feel like it's almost a detriment to its awards campaign, how broad and how mass appeal this movie is. But just watching it at home, enjoying it, this movie's just like the most one of the most rewatchable movies I've ever seen in my life. I one day I was like doing stuff. I was doing chores at home and a guy was like folding laundry or something like that in the bedroom. And I opened up the bedroom door and she was just watching Top Gun Maverick without me. Yes. And she like it looked like I walked in on her cheating like her face. She was just like. It's not what it looks like. She was like, like, don't say a fucking word or I will turn it off. And so then we just <laughs> got to sit there on the and just watch the rest of Top Gun Maverick. And it was just like, oh, this movie is just the best, huh? It just has that quality to it that like, it doesn't matter if I'm sad, if I'm happy, what day it is. I just want to watch Top Gun Maverick. I'm never going to get sick of watching this movie. Tom Cruise this is like the best example of movie stardom that we've had in a movie in the last. He's the one 10 years, 20 years. I don't, I mean, there's a little bit of this in other Tom Cruise pictures, but just in general, there aren't a lot of movie star performances like this anymore. Like I uh, just recently, I was watching the first magic Mike movie, which is a really good movie. Channing Tatum is great, but it's like, Man, Channing Tatum might be like one of the closest things that we have to like an old school movie star kind of like embodiment in film. That's just a thing that doesn't exist anymore. Adam Driver is a movie star, but not like this. Like Adam Driver isn't doing a fucking huge blockbuster in the same way that like Tom Cruise was doing these movies back in the day or Tom Cruise just has this he has this kind of uh <laughs> for lack of a better term cult leader quality to him that oh, I just I want to buy into him. I want to protect Tom at all costs. Uh Miles Teller is just incredible in this movie. Yeah. Every time he says talk to me dad, cry oh, oh, tears. Dude. Just immediately just talk to me dad. Daddy. Well, <laughs> I just Daddy? I, the the beginning the the Mach 10 sequence when Mav is just like, talk to me, goose. Like, <sighs> you're just dialed in from that point. <laughs> mm-hmm. And you're like, yeah, he has been just driving to this warehouse for the last like, tw- like 20, 30 he years. He lives in an airplane hangar. <laughs> yes. <laughs> this has <laughs> been his life. Thing. He's been living the TV show, you know, where like everything's the same. And now it's time for the next movie. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> like 35 years later. <laughs> there, it's, sometimes I think about the end of this movie. The thanks for sa- saving my life. It's so what my, my dad, dad would have done. done. And I was just like, dude. Oh, dude, it's just that you cannot we, get better than that. We did not give enough credit to Joseph Krasinski whenever we did our main pod. Krasinski? Krasinski. Um, <laughs> Doctor Strange in the Multiverse of Madness? <laughs> we did not give enough credit to John Krasinski. Jack Ryan? <laughs> for for all of his like face looking at the cameras during uh, Top Gun Maverick. Um, no. He might, get, he might get a best director. 
Um, I think they no. should. Yeah, I, I directed the fuck out of it. He directed this in like such a beautiful way that like I can't really yeah. imagine anybody else doing this. Imagine knew- being like, all right, actor, you're going to go up into this airplane with like f- five, six, seven cameras pointed at you. And they're all going to be recording. And then we're just going to cut that into a movie. It's also gaining a lot of ground because of the use of effects as opposed to the use of, you know, practical effects, um, which is cool. It You know, the, it's becoming like a Reddit point of conversation of like, did you know it actually has more uh, effects than fucking Avatar? Not actually. He flew Avatar. his he flew his plane, but not really. Well, yeah, but but that's cool because it looks entirely practical yeah yeah like I, I mean there is still so much of it that is pr- it's practical mixed with the vfx yeah. it's it's, it's, it's mostly, really all found in the editing it's really the editing that should get yeah. a shit ton of love for this that they're able to cut all of these real clips of the actors acting in a real moving fucking plane and make it into a cohesive story and tom tom is flying his plane right like do so, we know do we know for sure not no 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 he's not flying whenever he's in the jet at the very end whenever he's with jennifer connelly well, he's yeah, actually obviously. flying that fucking plane <laughs> he's actually just out here flying his plane but um no he's uh he's not they didn't let him jet. No. he wanted to he and the navy said no thank you absolutely Mr. Tom. Not. <laughs> um i just got to give credit val kilmer that whole scene yeah it's time to let go i i mean talk about a scene where it's just it's saying the least and just doing the most that is just that whole sequence especially if you know with everything val Kilmer in his own personal life just absolutely gutting every time i see that scene yeah look at that i've got there's, tom here there's our buddy there's our buddy the tommy here. there's tommy um jennifer connelly is low-key like one of the mvps of this movie especially like after re-watching this a bunch of times like She's so goddamn good down to her introduction, which the expert use by Kaczynski and team to use David Bowie's let stance as you first meet Jennifer Connelly when her first performance was in Labyrinth. Mm -hmm. She was being groomed to be the Goblin Queen. Yeah. Um, God, should we cancel David Bowie? No, Mm. Labyrinth rules so hard. Uh, Labyrinth fucks. Um, Lydia Tarr might have something to say about that. It's sad that there's, yeah, now in retrospect, there's like this black star on his legacy. (laughs) God, should we tell Drew? Um, (laughs) No, uh, she's so good. I think it's, we had talked about in the past uh, that Tom Cruise isn't exactly the easiest person to have chemistry with, especially not sexual chemistry. Uh, like, did you just call him a chemistry. person? Wow. Being, he's not, he's not <laughs> he, the easiest or, being organic to have chemistry cells. With. He doesn't emit pheromones. <laughs> <laughs> and I think it's I think, a real hurdle for any actor trying to do that. I mean, I think honestly, Emily Blunt is pretty good with it in, um, uh, fucking edge of tomorrow. Edge of tomorrow, Emily. But that's not really a sexual chemistry. It's more of just right. like a like a partnership kind of partnership thing. Yeah. He's good at doing that. He's great at that in the Mission Impossible movies. Um, but not always in like a 
seeing this person as a realistic romantic partner for him. Uh, Rebecca Ferguson, shout out to her as well for being Mission. in that ballpark. Yeah. Um, but Jennifer Connelly, I think it's just that she just ooves like she just has the oeuvre of all of the fucking charisma in the world. She's emitting so much charisma that I don't think that any person could not have synergy with her whenever they are on screen. Well, she I'm she's coming from a place of like she used to be the hottest person on earth, you know, so she has used that, to be? She still is. Yes. Used to be? Something happened. We can't we can't act like it didn't. Something don't ask, don't ask Bill Simmons. Don't ask me. And she's right behind Michelle Pfeiffer. <laughs> he, I, I love, I love Bill Simmons's. <laughs> I love his outright confusion with why a hot woman didn't get more roles when, like, there, like, aren't movies for women. He's like, yeah, I just, I feel like she had a better career at her. We're it's at like, like, we're at like hour four and a half. Can I insult his take? Where he's just like, Judy Foster, don't get it. It's like. <laughs> Bill, do you want to investigate that one? She's gay, Bill. Is, is that why? Is that maybe, why? Maybe, <laughs> maybe in the next movie we can get her daughter be played by Sydney Sweeney. <laughs> I paid money to see that. Oh, Jesus Christ. Is she too um, young to be the love interest for Top Cruise? <laughs> <laughs> Top Gun Maverick. What's, uh, what's your guys' take on Glenn Powell? Is Glenn Powell a little cutie pie? Yeah, he I rocks. love him. Everyone, you gotta watch watch set it up on Netflix. Everyone oh, I won't, rocks but thank you. in this movie. Everyone, yeah, everyone knocks it out of the park. This is this everything clicks together again. That scene where he does the run when Maverick does the run in two and a half. That's minutes, the best. That's the best scene in the you, two minutes and fifteen seconds, baby. Oh, it's God, fucking cinema, fucking cinema, dude. Like. <laughs> It's, just, it's, it's so good. It's, it's so fucking good. It's just, it's so cool. This movie is just like, it just like, it, it seeps out cool from its fucking mm-hmm. pores. This, this movie is a commercial for composite shots. I just, yeah. you, of, know of, you know what I mean? Of like, it's a commercial for yeah, they, like, you can shoot a ground, you can shoot a plane. You know, <laughs> you can put those bitches together. <laughs> you know, what's the, the, the worst, near the ground, the single worst take I've seen this year is like, Top Gun Maverick, it just makes me, it's such blatant military propaganda that like, Hell how, yeah, how dare they <laughs> come out here and, and have the Navy be the good guys in this story. I just, I don't fucking care. Log off. Just everybody just fucking log off for just Name. two seconds and just shut off your brain. Just fucking enjoy something. For they, once. And don't think about the goddamn political, like what it's trying to say here. Maybe it's just like. Movies are good. Fighter pilots are planes are fucking cool, guys. Plane I don't know. Go how, fast. Playing fast, playing cool. <laughs> they put Generic so much guy. They put so much effort into not making the bad guys from anywhere. They're <laughs> all black. They're complaining they everywhere. <laughs> they didn't give them a language. They didn't give them anything. <laughs> it starts to reach one point whenever they they land or they um in the third act of the movie when they're like sneaking in having to steal an enemy plane. We're like you think you can like vaguely make out like some kind of a foreign language and it cuts so yeah. fast that like it's just a blur of like yeah. are those you dare. symbols what what am i looking it's, at there? it's like if an american tried to write russian yeah but without knowing it exactly it's uh it's so good um masterpiece if you don't like this movie because of like the whatever 
stupid backlash, I have no thoughts for you. Because of the uh, Scientology people going missing, because of the wife of the president of Scientology going missing for 35 years. <laughs> She's it was I like 12 years. They're really close to finding her. She... <laughs> Apparently, and it's going to be Tom. Tom is going to find Shelly Miscavige. <laughs> are, are we sure that Tom isn't Shelly Miscavige? That's oh, a good point. That would check out. He's going to find her and find that actually she committed what if, suicide because of all the bad things that she had done outside of Scientology. What if it's Dead Reckoning Part 2 is him finding Shelly oh Miscavige? God. Oh my god. My brain is going to explode. That's how Tom Cruise dies while making a movie. Top it's, it's actually not from a set piece. It's from that, which, by the way, a uh, quick plug to if you haven't watched the 10 minutes behind the scenes of how they're making uh, shooting one of the uh, the set pieces for Dead Reckoning Part One. Oh, hell fucking yes. I've watched it multiple the times. Motorcycle. Let's fucking go, dude. Dead Reckoning Part One, number one most anticipated movie with a bullet on my list this year. Let's go. Top, Top Cruise, baby. Taco Maverick is hunter's number one it's drew's number six and my number four my number one everything everywhere all at once best movie movie. of the year one of the best movies that we've gotten in years we did an ep it's so good guys the only thing i want to say about it is that like this movie has been out for like almost a whole year at this point and the takes have just been this roller coaster and it feels underrated at this point. Like it, it became such a big juggernaut that like people turned on it. Yeah. And there were, there was like a huge fan base of people that like started coming after base, honestly, people who didn't like the movie. So it's gone through like this, like massive, uh, laundry cycle, if you will, Mm. of takes. And now it is the front runner to win the best picture Oscar, which feels insane because <laughs> I did. I we're did go underrating back, I, how wild of a thing that is that this movie is a front runner for best picture. I went back and listened to it, to our review of it. And we were like, oh, I hope Michelle Kwan gets in. If 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 we get one thing, it should be the editing. Maybe Kihi Kwan will get in. And now Kihi Kwan is like going to sweep every yeah. fucking award. This movie is incredible. I rewatched it. It holds up incredibly well. It has so much heart. It has so much love, so much tenderness, so much absurdity. It is a fucking insane comedic blast of just absurd fusion with drama and family tragedy. It is so perfect. It's so special. It's so good. No, I it's so good. Rakakuni is important. Rakakuni matters. Um, this movie fucking it's so good. I uh, it's like it's perfect. There really isn't a single thing that I would want to change about this movie. I can't believe that this is the front runner for best picture. It feels insane. I. I even the, still the like first front front runner in history to have someone being slapped in the face with two giant dildos with hot dog hands and hot dog fingers as well. Don't forget that. Um, it's like it's so. I know that this is made by millennial filmmakers, but this is like kind of feels like the first 
modern movie in a way. This feels very of a Gen Z TikTok generation in that it is so fast paced. Yeah. Internet the editing brain. is it, it is it's internet brained, and these are by directors that I mean they aren't old by any means, but they are younger filmmakers, and you can kind of feel that energy to it. It's interesting uh, listening to a bunch of. Uh, podcasts and interviews, reading a bunch of interviews with da- with Daniels, and the two of them have talked about. They're like, "Yeah, you know, we don't really watch a ton of movies. Mostly, just like watch anime and play video games." And you can feel that in this movie that it feels like it's edited like an anime. The, it feels like a video. The game. making of on the Blu-ray, amazing. Yeah. Must watch. Just the the indie like almost student film quality to this thing is just so palpable just like constant problem solving like they just you could tell that they had a great time making this and it it just it's exploding with heart um it um i mean the leading trivia fact on imdb which is verifiable and true um because i've looked into it is that all of the vfx for this film was done by nine people including the two directors with the majority of the shots being done by a core group of five none of those guys went to school for vfx yep they were all friends who taught themselves with tutorials they found amazing for free it's an all-timer it's It's an instant classic yeah it feels like a tutorial for how how to make a movie A, that will capture young people while still being great. Yes. You don't have to sacrifice quality just to gain a new audience that isn't exactly into movies. What what you can accomplish with just your imagination. I was skimming through the, the script, the screenplay that A24 just made public and just looking through it and just looking at it just like as words on a page. It just gets you thinking that like it you can do you can do it like you whatever you think you can't do there is a way to actually do it if you are creative enough if you're imaginative enough if you push yourself artistically enough you can do it this movie is not a massive massive production it's very scrappy it's very small it's on the indie side of things it's yeah. not like a micro budget it's it has a mil. budget it's one of the more expensive a24 movies ever but it can be done it yeah. can be done and this movie it makes you have hope it makes you have like the the feeling that like even the craziest ideas can happen mm. um and done in a way that feels like you know, you Michelle Michelle Yeoh is a fucking legendary movie star. Yeah, like th- th- this movie isn't made with non actors. Like actual talented people gravitated towards this story and brought it to life. It's special. It's fucking um, incredible. Another a side effect to this movie is that, um, at least for me, this movie. Uh, killed every dumb fucking marvel multiverse movie uh because you know what's not interesting after watching everything everywhere all at once is like ooh, what if it's a multiverse where new york has like freaking bushes growing out the side of the buildings whoa dude cool um like this movie is actually the most well-realized version of this new era of sci-fi that is kind of multiverse obsessed. It, yeah. It kills a lot of things. Yeah. <laughs> it, it, because, yeah, because it is, uh, 
like you said, because of their backgrounds and what they're into, like it, it kills, I think at least for me, it kills the, the like Rick and Morty style, like, like positive nihilism ethos of like, you know, no one exists on purpose. No one belongs anywhere. Want to watch TV? Like that's, that's this whole movie. Yeah, exactly. Like, like <laughs> it does it so much better than any Rick and Morty? Exactly. Like there, there, there are certain themes and elements like that that to me do feel like you know maybe like six years old. But this movie like completes their arc. Like this movie is the best possible version of so many different things that have been floating around and sort of defining a generation you know what i mean like this this ends it this is this is it's the definitive take on yeah yeah on those feelings exactly yeah. it just it it rocks so fucking hard um it, it's undeniable like like whatever hesitations you might have about the movie it just keeps fucking powering through at you you know and with, then it with hits fucking, you yeah it hits you with pace and style yeah. and editing and and punch and and, and the, the emotion the yeah, emotion the, oh. yeah the writing combined with the performances combined with the heart that went in on both ends so good like the people that made this movie care about the movie and you can feel that like it it hits you it hits you from a lot of different directions all at once and uh i i think that it's it's going to be remembered as like the defining movie of the year it's everything everywhere i'm really i'm still i'm still kind of hesitant towards it weighing best picture just because a lot could happen it will mostly because of the ranked balloting system that the oscars use because i think that the olds might be against i think a lot of people they're like 80 are gonna be like I can't keep up with this. It's too much. Like, I cannot physically keep up <laughs> with this. Weird. I don't get this. I'm just going to put Fableman's in at number two. Like, it's just going to be one of those things where it's like, and I mean, if Fableman's wins Best Picture, like, oh, darn, it's another great movie. Yeah. Like, that's not a terrible thing to happen. Um, as long as Elvis doesn't win Best Picture. Um, speaking of, should we get to our honorable mentions? That's number one. Everything, Everything ever, all at once. Great. It's also Drew's two and your two. Yeah. So consensus number consensus one. If number we're one, to do it, yeah, if we're to do like a weighted ranking, that's mm-hmm. gonna be number one. All right. Hit us with some honorable mentions. Um, quickly, my number eleven and the one that I cut right before we recorded here is Armageddon Time. Um, shout out to James Gray, who also his last movie, Ad Astra, was number eleven on my twenty eighteen ballot. I know. Um, he, he's just he's gutted about this, Hunter. Dude, I how are you letting him down like this again, James Gray? I'm so sorry, friend of the pod, Colin. I'm so sorry. I love this movie like i fucking love this movie this deserves to be in my top 10 i know i just couldn't figure out a spot for it i think it's a harder sell have you seen this no 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 i I think it's a harder sell than like fableman's though for example because it's i don't know it's easy to view what you hear about it very cynically yeah well i know it's great but it's it's very oscar baity on the surface it's like oh it's about a a jewish boy like coming like me yeah and it's also like a you know like oh i saw racism when i was a baby yeah exactly like on its surface it is very oscar baity and there's so much more nuance to that. It, I, I explores, totally that. it explores like this idea of the pockets of classism, how they're like, you can be the richest kid at the poor school and then suddenly you change districts or you go to a private school and you are the poorest kid at the rich school. Mm-hmm. And like how that completely changes how people look at you, how you're like just everybody in your life treats you, how you treat your old friends. Um, 
it tackles all that so incredibly well. One of the best casts of the year with Bank Trapetta and Hathaway. Jer- Jeremy Strong, our guy, Jalen Webb, I shouted out earlier. Uh, and of course, Anthony Hopkins just giving another fucking unbelievable late stage Anthony Hopkins performance. Um, yeah, incredible. Um, all the Beauty and the Bloodshed. Uh, my favorite documentary of the year. Uh, just absolutely still haven't seen that beautiful beautiful movie so good uh shows about the life of nan golden and then specifically her work now focusing on the opioid crisis after her own struggles with opioid addiction incredibly powerful stuff highly recommend um after sun Mm -hmm. Uh, i need to revisit it uh because to be honest I I really admired it more than I connected to it, and I loved it. This is the the movie that the critics have been going goo goo gaga over. Yeah, um, I liked it. It's in my top twenty. It's a, it's number fifteen for me. Bones and all, which I thought was going to make your list, Drew. To be honest, um, well, because I I messaged our group chat like pretty early into the movie, and I was like, I'm so into this movie. And then the rest of the movie happens and you're like, oh, wow. Yeah. It, it, <laughs> it, Nevertheless. Does, it starts, it starts hotter than it finishes. I up. It um, starts, love, it starts red hot. Yeah. I love bones and all. Bones it and was all so rules. It it's was fine for my, for my number. It's 10 really spot. cool. It just, it doesn't, it doesn't coalesce into a top, top movie. And it's frustrating because you know, it could, yeah, you know, it could watching it. It's like, man, this could be so good. And it's, and it's still good, but it, damn, like he just he just didn't quite get there with it. Um, three other movies, real quick. Turning Red, a beautiful movie. Really, really love that movie. Um, just haven't rewatched it recently. Otherwise, it could be a little bit higher on my list. Pearl, Mia Goth is Still a fucking movie star. Holy shit! Um, I saw watch X first. Um, so she's really okay. Good so in that's X. why I didn't watch Pearl. So you should watch X. First. Yeah, watch well because. Pearl is a prequel to X. I know, but I didn't um, know if it was like really required watching. So a, a lot of people like X more than Pearl. Personally, I like Pearl more because I liked X, but um, I think that Mia Goth kind of takes over and Pearl is just kind of a showcase. There's a monologue that uh, Mia Goth gives in Pearl where it's like, holy shit, you got it. Oh, my God. Uh, super excited for the third installment of Ty West's trilogy with her. Maxine. Maxine coming out this year. I'll and then see both finally. Um, well, two quick things, women talking, because Still I think, I think that. women talking is important. And she said, cause I think she should say things. Incredible. What Actually, I, I did. I um, did really enjoy women talking. And she said, Hunter actions really speak well louder than words. I didn't watch those movies. I drafted them, honey. <laughs> He's getting all the points. I'm an ally. <laughs> You did not watch them, though. <laughs> you did not go to the theaters and promote your movie that you yeah, tried. Why would I up, to some he fucking picked up the talking. screener and said, no, I'm good. Mm-hmm. Uh, Ernie, are you going <laughs> to say about how 3,000 lo- Years of Longing just missed your list? Or I love that movie. movie does rock. The, it's in my the top 30. ending but... is atrocious. It, it sputters <laughs> it's... hardcore at the end. Um, shaky. But overall, it is. I mean, it's a George Miller movie about... Idris Elba is a fucking, <laughs> fucking genie, genie in a bottle. It's amazing. Tilda Swinton, shout out. Like it visually stunning. Hell? It's so good. It's so good. It's it's oh, yeah. Shout out to the Northman, the best movie that I will never watch ever again. <laughs> Guys, 
I was so close to putting the Northman on my list. I'm happy. I was this fucking Dude, close. Dude, Nicole Kidman was on my long list for Best Supporting Actress for her one scene. I almost cheated and did the the North Batman, the Bat Northman. I would not have. I, no, I would have said you're a fucking coward <laughs> yeah. and pick your movie. That would be like when he put fucking Portrait of a Lady on fire. Yeah, like <laughs> four and a half years after it came out. <laughs> Robert Eggers You're, is a fucking genius. Ernie, and remember whenever you drafted The Godfather as your <laughs> best movie of 2017? Um, it, Alexander Skarsgård is an animal in this movie. <laughs> he's a freak. He's so he's so good. This movie is incredible. It definitely suffers from him not having final cut and having to like be at the whim yeah, of that the was, studio. That was my biggest note on this. Yeah. Is that feels it, it kind of gets away from Eggers a little bit. Should have given him give him the the Chazelle treatment. Yeah, he did his thing. Uh, what could go wrong? A couple stray mentions. Uh, <laughs> that, the Northman flopped too. So who fucking cares? Might as well give him a blank check. Hey man, he's still Bobby the Eggman. There are some transcendent mom- moments in this movie. Oh, there, yeah. There's no other movie in which Ethan Hawke and Willem Dafoe drink mushroom tea and fart everywhere. <laughs> I'm gonna, I'm gonna fact check you on that. I, I bet I, I can find one more. <laughs> <laughs> Remember the, like the behind the scenes of uh, the lighthouse where actually Ethan Hawke just also he just wanders in. in. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Got to shout out Pinocchio, the Guillermo del Toro, Ciao, not Papa. the Pauly Shore. <laughs> we'll talk Father, about that uh, one momentarily. Um, be on my own. And then just a, a quick, a quick little like, um, if you're just looking for like a standard, like down the middle movie, 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 the woman king. It hey, just it, it checks all the boxes yep. of Very just like, enjoyable. you know, classic seven out of ten. Yeah. Classic. Just like I'd go eight. I'd go eight. Would okay. you stop rating women on a fucking scale? <laughs> I, a woman king, nonetheless. Jeez. Um, woman king is really good. I did. I, I like that. I like uh, Gina Prince Blythewood. Adam Sandler and Hustle. Happy for you. Shout out to Danny for recommending this way back in the day. Um, uh, this my, is on on Netflix. My best actor uh, ballot goes to Juancho Hernan Gomez. NBA player. This is cool. a great movie. It Did, has, I didn't watch it. It has some <laughs> awesome montages, like just sports movie moments. And wee woo, wee woo, wee woo. Drones Ambulance. matter. Drones are important. Ambulance. Ambulances exist in LA. Ambulance. <sighs> Great job. Spe- yeah. Speaking of best uh, viewing experiences of the year, watching that with you guys in the theater, that people who were not on <laughs> the same wavelength, <laughs> having having a drink at Bar Louie right before going into seeing Ambulance was great. That was the, a good choice. The, guy, the old guy near us moved. <laughs> yeah, just he was not ready for our commentary with each other while watching Ambulance. He just got up and Which, moved. <laughs> oh, I'm sorry. You were watching the fine art of Ambulance. My, I, I, sorry, I guy. Am, I am submitting this film for some special awards uh, at Let's the Wabamis next ready week. For it. Wow. So, um, we should make tuned. a Michael Bay category for the Wabamis. Oh, honey? Let's it, go. I already did. Um, <laughs> wait, real quick. I did want to give a shout out to um, one special thing that's it's it was it would have made my list for my favorite documentaries of the year, but I learned that this was not eligible based on its release uh how it was released, but shout out to Kevin Perjurer, also known as the guy who made uh, the defunct land 
yeah. YouTube oh, channel nice. uh, released a documentary this year uh, on the Disney Channel's theme. A full-length, hour-and-a-half-long documentary, and it is incredible. It's so good. I really, really loved what he did here. Uh, it kind of turns into a documentary about, like, looking inward and am I a real artist if I'm just making stuff I'm going to fucking release for free on YouTube that I put so much time and effort into but if it's just going to be diminished as like a little YouTube video does that count as documentary filmmaking um and meanwhile Kevin's been out here just doing incredible research doing all the work that it takes to release a documentary feature for years on his channel so shout out to him shout out to this documentary and shout out to Defunct Land yeah it's um it, it's like television quality youtube videos like in terms of like the research done um and yet but the difference is that he has zero restrictions on what he's allowed to talk about yeah you know so he talks about the things that disney would not want you to talk about <laughs> yeah. it's it's incredible content i don't even give a fuck about disney i don't care about rides but i watch his videos good stuff um things that have not been mentioned i watch crimes of the future <laughs> You guys made fun of me for watching. I it. would never make fun of you for watching a Cronenberg movie. This is my regrettably my biggest blind spot of the year. Um, about it, I really enjoyed it. Uh, I, I was telling you guys uh, off mic earlier that it <sighs> surgery is the new sex. Yeah, <laughs> you were telling us this. You're telling us that Vigo Mortensen is important. Vigo, that he doesn't just eat a whole pizza by folding it in half. Vigo fucking slays in this movie. He does a lot of squatting in like in <laughs> in like black uh, streetwear, which is cool. Cool. God, I want to see this. I need. I need to see this. It it rocks. It seems like a like a almost like a '90s cult hit that you would find on like Shutter or something. Like it's okay. very like Nine Inch Nails core aesthetic and like sonically. Um, it also I was. I was telling you guys, it almost reminds me of Blade Runner tonally, where it's just like it's a very like slow burn, like discussion about interesting future themes. And like uh, it doesn't really coalesce into like a, a humongous like set piece or anything. It just like it's that. And that's like a fun watch. It's fun to watch. I enjoyed it a lot. Um, the menu is a good movie. It's just not a great movie. And that's fine. And it's a solid. It's a solid watch. If you look on IMDb right now, that is the number two most popular movie. You that, know what number one is? Mm. The Pale Blue Eye. No way. That's not a real movie. What? <laughs> Don't believe that. Where, a real thing. Where's the good nurse? <laughs> um, let's see here. Let's control people, F. People are clamoring and, uh, for the good nurse. <laughs> nurse. Um, um, Oh, it doesn't exist. It's not wow. ever in there. It's so, nowhere. Support your farm-to-table local comedies uh, with Weird, the Al Yankovic story. Um, Did you see... Uh, happy for you. Uh, Daniel Radcliffe won a Critics' Choice Award. Good. <laughs> for, for like, what? For best, like, Roku original actor? It was, like, TV, like... movie made for TV or something. Okay, that's fine. We can give him that. Good for him. Uh, I didn't like Bullet Train. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Are we now in the movies that you didn't like? Oh, couple most disappointing, and then we can kind of well, finish this up. Uh, one other I want to talk about is it. You know, it's it's extremely thorny to talk about right now, but this place rules by you know Channel oh. Five. Andrew Callahan is. Oh, is this tw is this twenty twenty two or twenty three? Yeah, it technically is twenty twenty two. Okay. Um, it's the movie disappointed me. 
uh, pre allegations, <laughs> um, just because it seemed like an opportunity to stop editing the way that he, they do on YouTube to stop relying on like extreme like smash cuts and just like, you know, jumpy stuff and to like really just sit in a scene and, you know, a location. Um, they do that a couple times, but not as nearly as much as I wanted. Also, uh, during the January 6th riots, Andrew had COVID and literally couldn't be there. So the, everything know, that the movie's leading the up to the climax of the movie, you know, and like, like any documentary, you can sort of like have a work around there. There are a lot of documentaries that like have that structure of like, and then it didn't happen, <laughs> but like it, it's still great. You know, it's still good if you just like, like the YouTube channel, it's just like, this was an opportunity to rise above that and it didn't happen. And now Andrew is uh, an abuser. Yes. That's not great. So congrats. Um, hey, he did an apology video. Cool. Um, <laughs> He's listening. He's learning. Real quick, um, pour one out for Lightyear, a movie that sucks. It's a bad movie. Um, to infinity and be end. A this movie podcast. that's literally for no one. Um, and then, uh, man, Thor: Love and Thunder. That sucked, huh? Let's go back. Let's start how we. Let's end how we started. Let's talk about movies that sucked. We have to wrap it up. I why can I, can I talk more about Halloween ends? We're now at the point where part two is about to be double the length of part one. <laughs> Let me talk about the first like half hour of Spiderhead. <laughs> we have to stop. Can you give we me have, we a have, scene by scene breakdown of Spiderhead? We have the Wabamis next week. We can we're gonna do a, f- a full final bow wrap around the year. You can add categories for all these dishonorable mentions. Can I make mentions. the Corey Cunningham award for? Absolutely, yes. <laughs> So that ends Listomania proper next week is the Wabamis where we will have a category for our top first time viewings of 2022. Just I, a category I'm, for fuck's sake. Yes. Just a category. Man, so we can fold it. it down. We, okay. we will fold it into the award show. Um, it is a special category with a special name that I will reveal next week. And it'll be. I love shooting time. for the for shooting from the hip on these awards. I'm going to I don't gonna, do any prep. I just kind of go for yeah, it. I'm going to I'm going to put King of the Hill on my list for the third year. You have to. <laughs> you have to. That is now a requirement. It's <laughs> now a requirement. You have to mention it. It's like, hey, there's this little show I watch for the first time. <laughs> and really give it like a good like three minutes and before Ernie, someone tells to, me. You have to give it like a full like an earnest like. Oh, and um, it looks it's like the you thirty uh, running shoot for <laughs> yeah. your first time. Ernie, Ernie whispering in my ear, and I'm like George Bush finding out about nine eleven. <laughs> <laughs> He's like, "You said that shit last year." <laughs> Thanks for tuning in. <laughs> Please rate, review, subscribe, like, and comment. Let us know what you thought of our favorite movies of 2022. Stay tuned for the Wabamis. Stay tuned for more special episodes and the return to the Robin Williams series. Stick around. Visit WeBottomMike.net to become a donor and sign up for every episode updated in your email inbox. Thank you, beautiful donors, for donating. We will be back. We love you. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye.